0: New York's talk station with the King of New York, Curtis Lewa, seventy seven WABC.
1: Oh, I see. I have Frank Morano's board out here. Oh, you filled up that whole beginning of the 9 o'clock hour with a lot of clutter. Just, just delaying, delaying. Curtis Lewa coming on. On this, a night in which I've uh, been given a radio brisk. We'll get into that later on. What normally would have been the animal welfare hour from 12 midnight to 1. Is now going to be occupied by Dominic Carter. Like two peas in a pod, like a soup in a sandwich, like a horse in a carriage. It's Dominic and Frank Marano. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, and the problems I had in dealing with my wife Nancy over this. The most popular listen-to and interactive portion of the close to 20 hours that I do on the weekends where sometimes the acronym ABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. We'll get uh, to that later on as we've conducted musical chairs here at WABC. Not because I wanted to do it, but remember, it's like Hyman Roth said to uh, Don Corleone, remember? This is the business we have chosen. I have no choice. Uh, I'll get into it later on. I'm not the happiest camper in the world, and I'm not happy by what I see increasingly is flight and exodus. first to Florida, second to North Carolina. I suggest we start just with Florida because that's where most of our residents uh, from Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania are fleeing to. Number two, according to all the data. And the analytics is North Carolina. But the flight continues at an unprecedented rate. And I just want to reflect, in the last two weeks, I've been going to a lot of St. Patrick's Day parades. In fact, uh, let's take it back to March 1st, actually the whole month. Every weekend was stacked with St. Patrick's Day parades, and I was there mostly trying to get signatures to qualify Andrew Giuliani to run in the Republican primary to become the governor of uh, New York so as to stem the exodus and the flow out. Uh, we'll continue to update uh, you on that. I promised my kumbari cheat, Rudy Giuliani, who you can hear every Monday through Fridays from 3 to 4, and then actually Sundays 10 to 11. I promised him I would do that since uh, Rudy uh, had supported me in my mayoral campaign. But everywhere I go now, and it's not just limited to the five boroughs. Uh, I've been in the Mid-Hudson Valley. I've been in New Jersey. I've been in Connecticut. Been up in Westchester. Been out in Long Island, Nassau, Suffolk. I see the for sale signs, the for sale signs. So this is not a reflection on just what's going on in the five boroughs of New York City. This is a reflection of what's going on in our entire tri-state area. It is the, the fear, the fright, the hysteria, and the fleeing, the exodus that seems to be mostly to Florida. Now, years ago, it was because people were looking for a second residence. We call them the snowbirds, and I'm sure some of you were original snowbirds, snowflakes, whatever you want to call yourself. Your primary residence was here in the tri-state area. But you wanted to have a winter home in Florida to avoid the inclement weather, the cold, the freezing rain, the sleet, the snow, when we had normal kind of winters and we weren't being hit with global warming and climate change. Well, now... Our winters are relatively mild compared to, uh, I mentioned Rudy Giuliani. I remember the second year, or it was the first year he was in office, he had 20 snowstorms. By the end of March, 20 snowstorms. Think of that. Have we even had a snowstorm this season? Almost nothing. But the flight, the exodus is continuing, and it's not weather-related as most of the priorities were years ago. Although I can tell you when I started the Guardian Angels in 1979 and through that whole era of the 80s, a million people fled New York City, a million people, because there was high crime, there was arson, there were gangs, there were major cutbacks into the city budget because we were on the verge of fiscally dissolving. And Gerald Ford, when he was asked to declare New York City Chapter 11 said drop dead New York City was absolutely right because most of it was based on elected officials, appointed officials, putting their beak in the trough and being Hazerai pigs and stealing money and misappropriating and misspending money. But the flight was enormous. And I remember first, and I'm sure some of you remember those, those first urgings in the 60s when the number one show in America on Saturday nights was the Variety Show. Jackie Gleason, Art Carney, and the June Taylor dancers. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of it, uh, Jackie Gleason would come out. He was always schvitzing because of his hefty uh, nature. Then it was Art Carney, it was Ed Norton, and then there were the June Taylor dancers. And remember how they would kiss off? They would say, come on down to Miami Beach. And, oh, my God, half my family went. There was my Aunt Lucy. There was my uh, Uncle Jimmy Scavone. There was my cousin Joseph. I could go right on down the line. And they went over to Hollandale. They went over to North Miami Beach because they wanted to be near the racetrack. Oh, they loved the racetrack. And Oh, you had so many racetracks down there. And they loved it. And actually, when we would visit, they would encourage our relatives and friends to come on down to Miami Beach And people just began to flock all over. And I remember specifically, I started seeing Canadians and those from the Midwest on the West Coast, from Tampa, St. Petersburg, Clearwater, down to Fort Myers. And the East Coast was mostly folks from the Northeast, mostly from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. Ladies and gentlemen, the exodus is continuing fast and furiously. Let's test out. All of our uh, computerized telephone lines because we have to make sure they're working. Sometimes I have been the victim of sabotage. I am not at all trusting that I have Frank Morano's trusted board operator here who already filled the opening with so much clutter that if I didn't cut him off, I would have probably joined uh, this uh, live program right about now. I don't know if that was your orders from headquarters. Well, let's just say I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Let's test out our dischronificator first. These are the signals of the most powerful news talk station in the nation. 50,000 powerful watts of sound emanating from the Tower of Power in Lodi, New Jersey, right in the shadow of Bing. That's right. The strip joint made famous in The Sopranos, where our crack engineer, Dan the Man supposedly is always at the ready to climb that pole and readjust the this chronificator, except he's constantly having to readjust his uh, garments for getting all those brumskis and those lap dances. one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. Were you and your family part of that exodus? As I know many of you purposefully listen from Florida because time and time again, when you call, you tell us, How bad the talk radio is locally in Miami, in Fort Lauderdale, in Palm Beach, in Tampa, St. Petersburg, in Orlando. And I got to tell you, having been down there, having been interviewed, having listened to talk radio down there on the local level, you couldn't be more hopelessly right. It is mostly boring. So you want to reconnect with your roots. You want to reconnect with your New York, your New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania roots. And that's why you listen to WABC all over the globe now. You can listen on the app. You can listen on the stream. You can listen in so many different ways, and it's crystal clear. Well, we specifically want to hone in on Florida, where so many of you are fleeing. I see those for sale signs. I want to take those for sale signs out of your front garden. Your single-family houses that are now under threat. Oh, yes, in these budgetary hearings in Albany that are stalled, there is a bill that would say if you have a single-family home and it's been zoned for single-family homes. Let's use an example. Frogs Neck, where I'll be tomorrow. City Island, where I'll be. And watching the exodus. And they're not getting on boats uh, in City Island, going through the Long Island Sound, around to the Atlantic Ocean, and all all of a sudden down to Florida. No, 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 no. The single-family homes will now be under threat because there will be state legislation that says they can come in and build an apartment building right in the middle of your Archie Bunker block. Can you imagine what that will do to the ambiance of your neighborhood, the residential nature of your neighborhood? And they'll be able to do it anywhere from Buffalo to Brooklyn, suburbs, rural areas, it doesn't matter. Our number is one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then let's not forget our FM brothers and sisters in solidarity. W-L-I-R out in the Hamptons. Although for me, AM is active-minded. That's the acronym. FM, freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly. <sighs> Free marijuana. And actually, Frank Morano. But we accept phone calls from the FM side, and that's why we have the spectrometer, because it conflates the AM calls with the FM calls. And this makes us the most powerful force in America, where we're even heard down in Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle between Bermuda and Bahamas, many a seaman going down to Davy Jones's locker was quoted as saying, I just heard Frank Marano on the other side of midnight, whereas I am going to have to now wear the scarlet letter, another side of midnight. Oofa. But our technology does not appear to be working here. I'm always mistrustful, yes, conspiratorial, that sabotage is taking place. This is not my normal crew here. My normal crew, believe it or not, are all black men and women. All black men and women, right? Am I right or wrong, right? The board op, the nighttime producer, the phone screeners are all brothers and sisters. Because let's face it, I'm the snow bro, I'm the Caucasian persuasion. I've led a group that is predominantly black and Hispanic, the Guardian Angels, for 43 years. But on Sunday nights, I get saddled with all white boys, the mighty whiteys. They're playing air guitar in there, playing hacky sack, and they're getting revved up. Now, for Dominic Carter, who's coming in at 12 midnight, and he's teaming up with Frank Morano, who follows from 1 to 5, and now all of a sudden my phones don't appear to be working. An act of sabotage. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's try out the phones. Let's work the rust off. We don't have Rust Oleum, we don't have STP, Andy Granitelli's, the Racer Edge. So, try to forge your way through, because I am very suspicious in terms of what's going on this evening. You talk about conspiratorial, I'll tell you conspiratorial, right? We think back to that slap that was heard around the world and seen around the world. Will Smith, for Jada Pinkett Smith, never trust anybody with three names. And then Chris Rock, right, on a night when Pfizer was the main advertiser for the Academy Awards, and what did Pfizer just get an FDA-approved license to put out for the general public? A medicine that deals... With the problem of hair loss that Jada Pinkett Smith suffers from and so many other women, mostly women of color. Who do you think will be the spokesperson for Pfizer making gazillions of dollars? That's number one. When Will Smith got his Academy Award, who was the person who presented it to him? John Travolta, fellow Scientologist, who probably was quoting Proverbs from Dianetics, the book by L. Ron Hubbard. It was a Scientology thing. Understand that. Oh, and the conspiracy goes a lot deeper. It's beyond Pfizer. It's beyond Big Pharma. It's beyond Scientology. It goes to the core and the essence of what I say is the number one expert on these matters. Let's stand and give a standing ovation to one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, Ric Flair.
2: Ooh.
1: Ric Flair was one of the few wrestlers ever to wrestle behind the Kim Chi curtain of North Korea at the time where the evil seed of Kim Jong mentally ill was ruling. And he wrestled there and Ric Flair, who knew every move in professional wrestling, said that was a fugazi that night. That pimp slap, that bitch slap, that slap boxing, whatever you want to call it, was all the fugazi. Who would know better than Rick Flair? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Having some problems with the phone lines here. Very disappointing. But I worked through it because if if I had to talk for six hours straight, let's just assume this was Saturday morning from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning, another side of midnight, and then 12 midnight to 6 in the morning, Sunday morning, another side of midnight. If all of a sudden we didn't have phone lines for all 12 of those hours, I could talk my way through all 12 of those. And you know I could. So don't test my mettle here. I've been doing this 32 years. If there's one thing I know how to do in life, it's talk, 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 talk. I spend my whole life talking to myself. I go into the parks. I feed the pigeons. I'm the pigeon man in New York City. Do you think I just feed them? No, I talk to them. I talk to my 18 rescue cats in a 328-square-foot apartment that I share with my wife, Nancy, the animal rescuer par excellence, who will be joining us tonight. Will she be joining us in the normal hour, 12 midnight, 20? No. They robbed us of an hour. I know many of you are going to say, what are you talking about? They give it and take it. You got an extra hour Friday night going into Saturday. Stop moaning and groaning. I wouldn't be Curtis Leeway if I wasn't moaning and groaning. one 800 Now remember, ladies and gentlemen, in the 60s, we all would get up and have our Tropicana orange juice, no matter where you were, in the projects, in a high-rise apartment building, in a residential neighborhood, in the suburbs, in, a resi- in the rural areas, you'd have your glass of O.J. And who was the spokesperson and the singer? Anita Bryant.
0: Anita Bryant, remember? Orange
2: juice with natural vitamin C from the Florida sunshine tree.
3: Visit Orange Bird in the Florida Sunshine Tree at Walt Disney World. And remember, breakfast without orange juice is like a day without
1: sunshine. Walt Disney World, notice what she was saying. Not Disney World, Walt Disney World. Come on down, she'd wink. Remember she'd wink in the camera, good looking woman, right? She'd wink and all the guys would go, oh, oh." she's winking at me. I got to go to Walt Disney World. This was in the 70s. And then all of a sudden... Anita Bryant, who was quite a singer, an excellent singer, had cut her teeth in Los Angeles as an actress and a performer. She did jingles, she did songs, she did radio broadcasting, television broadcasting, and then she appeared on the stage of the Orange Bowl. No, 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 we're not talking the Jets and the Baltimore Colts and the miracle of nineteen sixty nine, the Jets beating the Baltimore Colts for the Super Bowl. We're talking about March 23rd, 1969. 80,000 people. As Anita Bryant led them in a rally for decency. And she railed against Jim Morrison and the Doors. She said, there's decadence, there's debauchery, there's hedonism. If you've ever seen Jim Morrison and the Doors, they're leading us on a trip to cultural impoverishment. They're destroying our culture. And Anita Bryant railed against Jim Morrison in the door because she was the original L.A. woman. Am I right or wrong? Oh. Oh, what a battle it was. Jim Morrison in the doors on the far, 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 far left and on the far, 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 far right, America's sweetheart, the Tropicana orange juice queen, Anita Brian, I
0: dig a little down about an hour ago. You look
1: around, they went, a wind blow. with a little girl in a Hollywood bungalow. Yeah, that was Anita Bryant. Are you a Right at Chateau Marmont, the bungalows okay, no, 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 there, Belushi, got his speedball, the see, cocaine see, and heroin, and unfair, unfortunately passed see, into the hereafter great see, comedic see, talent see, that he was. But Anita Bryant went to Florida. She rejected the hedonism, the sin of Los Angeles, Hollywood. She said, I'll never appear in a TV series again, never in a movie, because of who? Jim Morrison and the Doors. As I play your air guitar there, white boys, and play Hacky Sack, oh, so good, so good. It was the battle for the culture of America, and remember, it was Richard Nixon who said he was running to preserve and protect the silent minority that was represented by Anita Bryant on that stage at the Orange Bowl in March 23rd, 1969. Oh, the Super Bowl occurred a little later that year when the other decadent, hedonist, debaucherist Joe Namath showed up, was fornicating and copulating all night, and then took it to Earl Morrill and Johnny Unitas and won the Super Bowl against the Baltimore Colts for the New York Jets. A lot of stuff happened in 69. Summer of Woodstock, you talk about decadence, you talk about hedonism, debauchery, and the Miracle Mets, right? Boy, that was hedonistic. Whoever thought they could take out the Baltimore Orioles to one in the World Series with that miracle catch by Ron Swoboda, who was in a drug-induced psychosis at the time at right Field. Then I put the package together, ladies and gentlemen, and you know who lost that cultural war? Anita Bryant. 1969, banished. She couldn't make public appearances any longer. Tropicana orange juice, which was like mom, apple pie, and the flag, said, here's your pink slip, Anita. And then she was left to be in playing senior citizen centers right after they had the blue plate special at four in the afternoon from Pensacola, Panama City, down to the Keys, to Fort Lauderdale, Miami, to Kissimmee, and yes, to Orlando itself, the home of Walt Disney World. So Jim Morrison and the Doors, won one for the leftists and progressives. But ah uh, ha, ha the exodus continued. It continued. So Anita Bryant took one for the pro-lifers, for the cultural preservers of Americana. And for the silent majority. But then it was followed quickly by a series of advertisements that said, I need it bad. I need to go to Florida bad in the crack cocaine years of the 80s. You heard this. You watched this on TV in Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York.
2: you like make a wish, you were but here.
3: I
4: need it. Back.
3: They found you something more to do than you thought the end was near. I need it, Fan. You need the sunshine and sea breeze. Soft sand
5: and palm trees of flowers.
1: Ah, uh, millions of dollars, and there went my cousins, Joey G, the Cheech from Howard Beach, Lenny Beans beyond Gino. Uh, there was uh, my Aunt Sylvia, Uncle Ralphie. They fled to Florida. So many of my relatives, so many of my friends. You know, they did the hop, skip, and a jump. This is how they did it. As uh, Italians, they went across the plank, the Verrazano Bridge. They settled in the South Shore near Tottenville, not far from Frank Morano, Rachel, and Carmine. And then they went down to the Jersey Shore, Manalapan. And then they got the itch and they said, you know something, we want paradise, we want freedom, we're going to Florida. And then if they were Jewish, they went across the plank to the Willowbrook area, Mid-Island, and then they'd go over to Lakewood and Tom's River, and then they'd say, We want to go to Florida. Where was the Mecca for all Jews? Miami Beach. You know why? Because they bought more Tetley tea in Miami Beach than they bought Lipton tea. And you're saying to me, what the hell am I talking about? More Tetley tea than Lipton, the most famous brand in America. Because Arthur Godfrey had a radio show and a national TV show. And he promoted Lipton. And he would make anti-Semitic comments on both his radio show and TV show. So the Altakachos, the Jews who were watching it, said, Hey, hey, you're not a righteous Gentile. We're not buying Lipton. We're buying Tetley tea. And so I would walk into Jewish households all throughout Florida. I said, Do you know why when I asked you for a cup of tea, you gave me Tetley and not Lipton? No, I have no idea. It was my booby, my Zeta. I have no idea. But I'd say it was Arthur Godfrey. Arthur who? Arthur Godfrey. Maybe the most famous broadcaster in America. All across America on TV, all across America on radio. And he was sponsored by Lipton Tea. He even had the cup on the desk for the TV variety show, Big Lipton. And the Jews said, "Oh, you like to make fun of us, huh? You're an anti-Semite, huh?" we will fix you. We're not going to buy Lipton. So they bought Tetley in only two places in all of America. Where do you think that was? Miami Beach and New York City. More Jews in New York City than in Tel Aviv, in Warsaw, and yes, right near the Crimea, where there were so many Jewish Ukrainians at one point, until they had to flee before World War II, and now, unfortunately, they're being forced to flee again. 1-800-848-9222 one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. And now, DeSantis has taken on the world. DeSantis has said to Disney World, no more cutouts. I had no idea that Disney World was like the Vatican. They had the Swiss Guard. They were a government into their own independent and autonomous. DeSantis has said, no more Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. I'm in charge in Tallahassee, soon to be president of the United States. Oops. He let that slip out. And then he said, you can't talk about gays in third, second, first grade, kindergarten, pre-kindergarten. And I said to myself, what if I'm observing what would have been the birthday of Marvin Gaye, spelled with an E, unlike his father, where Gay was spelled G-A-Y, the Pentecostal, holy roller father, who was also a cross-dresser, a drunk, and would beat the living daylights out of one of the greatest singers who ever walked the face of the earth, Marvin Gaye, only to end up killing his own son in Los Angeles so many years ago on April 1st. And what was uh, Marvin Gaye's birthday? April 2nd. Am I permitted in a classroom in Florida public school to talk about Marvin Gaye? I'm wondering. Probably there's some nuances to that legislation that DeSantis sounded. But DeSantis wants all of us to come to Florida. And I almost stayed there when I went there for a week. I almost, it is, oh, first of all, freedom there. Great quality of life. Standard of living is not going to put you in the poorhouse. And the Blue blue Bird special, you know, that I finally had a chance to eat since I'm 68. I said, it's not bad having dinner at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then listen to the ad that he just put out to even captivate more of us, you hipsters and millennials in that studio, warming up for Dominic Carter at 12 and Frank Morano at 1.
3: This is Callie with Team DeSantis, and we're in New Smyrna Beach talking to people on their spring break about be Governor be Ron be DeSantis. Big 2022 DeSantis. All day, every day. Let's go. So, when you think of Governor Ron DeSantis, what are
5: three words that come to mind? He's humble.
3: Fair.
6: His family values.
3: I'm a New Yorker, and now I live in Florida. Where do you think New York ranks on a freedom ranking across the 50 states? I think we're pretty much at the bottom. Well, you are number zero.
5: My God! How do you like living in Pennsylvania? I hate it. We have the worst governor ever. I think Governor Ron DeSantis should be the governor of Pennsylvania. Florida, you're so lucky that you get to have Ron DeSantis as your governor. This is why
3: we live in Florida because of him.
7: I live in Florida because of Ron DeSantis.
3: You know, people want to be here. People want to be in the state of Florida.
0: AOC just went to Florida and had a good time without a mask. It looks like people, she was having a okay? blast.
3: DeSantis is the best, and ever since he took over, it's where are we come. Proud to be a Floridian. I 100 percent only because of DeSantis. DeSantis is, seems way more for his people. The Governor DeSantis is uh, for the people. <laughs>
8: Ron DeSantis knows what he's doing. we
2: got the best governor ever, ever.
5: He's a great leader. He helps our state stay free. I love Ron DeSantis because he keeps Florida great. My whole family will be voting for him. Make America Florida. Ron DeSantis made Florida free. Vote Vote free, free. be free. God,
1: isn't that a great ad? I can see generation, uh, Generation X, Y, Z, whatever generation you are, hipsters and millennials, coming off of spring break. Remember, spring break is over as of tonight. Did you see all those crazy young people in Miami Beach? People were being shot. It reminded us of being here in New York City, except you can't be at the beach yet. You know, they just opened up Luna Park. We're going to talk about that later on Coney Island. But let's face it, it's not Miami Beach. But did you see all those young people who were down in Miami Beach, Fort Lauderdale, who were in Daytona, who were down in Fort Myers, who were down in Key West, who were down, yes, even in the Panhandle? That's right. Pensacola, that whole area there, Panama City, you know they're going to come back and their parents are going to say, what was it like down there, Charlie and Sally? Oh, we got to move down there to Santa's land. Slowly but surely, there will be more for sale signs. Condos will be empty. Rents won't be paid. Leases won't be paid. And yes, all these mamalukes. And Mama Lukeettes, who are living in the basements of their mother and father's house at the age of 35, 45, will finally say to Mom and Dad, Hey, can I be your Mama Luke or your Mama Lukeette somewhere in Florida? It's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And for your Yankee fans... This needs to be brought to the attention of my kumbarachic Rudy Giuliani. When he grew up a Yankee fan like I did, his uh, favorite Yankee was Yogi Berra. Yes, number eight. I say, Rudy, number eight. What happened to seven? Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I liked. I was a catcher. I like Yogi Berra. And let's face it, Mickey Mantle was a jerk. And true. Did you know that Yogi Berra in 2014, when he was still alive, Teamed up with Jim Dooley. Who remembers Jim Dooley? He was all over the TV. And he was uh, doing advertisements for Northeast Airlines, for Tropicana Orange Juice, saying, come on down to Florida, come on down to Florida. Jim Dooley teamed up with Yogi Berra as they encouraged Yankee fans to come on down to Fort Lauderdale that used to be the spring training camp the world champion Yankees for many years until Steinbrenner purchased them and then moved uh, moved the spring training facility. It's a great facility in Tampa uh, Bay. Who remembers that Yogi Berra led the charge and said, move out of New Jersey. Move to Florida. Jim Dooley said, hey, come on down, Northeast Airlines. And when you get off the tarmac, I'll give you a nice little cup. Fresh squeezed orange juice right off the tree. one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. Have you had family and friends who've exited? Have you put up the for sale sign? Don't lie to me. I know in the wee hours of the morning when you're listening to Frank Marano, the other side of midnight, and you're listening on the stream. Don't lie. You're an insomniac. You can't sleep at night because you have a you said I can't pay the taxes, the price of gas, the price of everything, the crime that's taking place, the lack of a quality of life. I know you're cheating on New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. I know you're checking real estate sales, lots, plots. That's right, because if you're going to buy a lot in Florida, you're also going to buy a burial plot, because isn't that where everybody goes to die? one 800 848
0: That's 1-800-848-WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Bye,
1: bye, 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 bye. Don't get nervous. This is not La Mega here. They haven't taken over yet. I know they're at the border. They're ready to bum rush through. Biden is uh, undoing all the, Trump, all the Trump restrictions for illegal aliens. They're coming over. Thousands, tens of thousands. I understand. Don't get nervous. We haven't changed our format yet. It's just Bad Bunny and Drake. The wannabe black guy from Canada says I'm oh, from James Finch Court No, you're not, you're a Booker Boy. You read Torah. You read Talmud. You're a Jew, Drake! You can't fake me out, Drake. But he can, all the brothers. Oh, Drake, he's one of us. No, he's not. Hey, he may be uh Yemenite, you know, a little dark olive skin, you know, Sephardic Jew, but he's no brother. But there they are, Bad Bunny. They're in Puerto Rico. And how many Puerto Ricanos came over to central Florida, Orange County? And they could turn what is now a red state, purple, and maybe blue. But then again, all of a sudden, they come into Florida and they realize... Hell better than Puerto Rico. And hell better than Philadelphia, where I visit my relatives, Boston. Hell better than Allentown, Pennsylvania. Hell better than New York City. Hell better than Havistro in Rockland County, which is little Puerto Rico. Ah, you notice I whipped that one out. Hey, West Havistro, Havistro, Puerto Ricanos. Ah. And then all of a sudden they say, Eh, maybe I don't want to be a Democrat anymore. And kiss me, right? Yeah, right next to Disney World, which I had no idea was like the Vatican. An independent, autonomous slice of Florida that DeSantis has said, No more cutouts, Mickey and Minnie Mouse. You'll do what we the cultural warriors say. And up until the age of three, no mention of gay. But meantime, I love Marvin Gaye. That song, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? What happens if I'm coming through TSA, Checkpoint Charlie, and I've got on my headphones, right, and I'm listening to, like, all these great jams of Marvin Gaye, will the algorithms pick it up from Tallahassee? Will I be denied entry into Freedom Land, DeSantis Land? 1-800-848-9222, that's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, all these calls here. I know many of them think I'm a screwball, right? (laughs) That I've lost my mind. Well, no. I've actually, I am an interpreter of trends, of what's happening. I just watch what people say and what they're doing, and they're no longer just talking about leaving. They're leaving. Florida, number one. North Carolina, number two. Quickly followed by South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. No taxes in Tennessee. No taxes. I mean, nothing. Texas, and yeah, a little bit in Virginia, and they're leaving. I mean, droves. We are losing so much population here in the Northeast Corridor. And for a variety of reasons. No one person is to blame for all this build a No one person is to blame for all of this build a No one person. Let me make that perfectly clear. Even though he took a Sile Myris wrecking ball and destroyed the city that we so love. one 800 But think of all those people from South America who have flooded into Florida from Venezuela. You know, there it was where communists once again failed. Communism. Hugo Chavez, dead. He went for his cancer care where? To Havana. Could have gone to any of the great Floridian hospitals that deal with cancer care. You think they've had enough patients to try out their techniques on? Could have come to New York, Washington, Boston, Philly. No, he decides he's going to go to Cuba. Dead. Who's now? The bus driver. Yeah, the Ralph Cramden of Venezuela, Caracas. Maduro was a bus driver. Imagine, the head of your company, the most prosperous country in all of South America, Venezuela, is now led by the Hispanic version of Ralph Cramden, a former bus driver, Maduro, the dictator in Caracas. And they're all fleeing to Florida. And they go to Curacao, you know, they're in boats, and they go to Aruba. You see all the Venezuelans in Aruba? You say, wow, where did they all come from? They're fleeing Venezuela. It's just a few miles away. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, let's go to the phones. Mike, who's calling from New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike.
2: Good morning, Curtis. Uh, good evening. Where are you going to be in City Island tomorrow? Uh,
1: why, why do you want to know, Mike? You planning on whacking me? Huh? Which, lo- which lobster box am I going to be at? There's like 52 lobster boxes out there.
2: I was going to swing by and lay some music in your hands and then retreat back to my little cavern at home.
1: Yeah, you know, so, Mike, I don't think I will give you my coordinates. Uh, I have a feeling uh, that you may be affiliated with some people who want to finish the job that the Godies and Gambinos left undone.
2: Let me tell you something. I ain't no fan of the Gottis or the Gambinos. In fact, I think Gotti was one of the dumbest mobsters God ever put on this earth. Name one thing that guy ever did right.
1: He believed in the the indigenous native Indians. He really was a supporter of the native Indian community. I give him props for that. I'm always talking about the native Indian community. I'm wee hours to the morning. I get into some kind of battle with... Tribal experts from Jersey were telling me that the Indians who purchased Manhattan for $24 in trinkets, right? Actually, it was Peter Minuet of the Dutch Reform who ripped off the Indians for $24 in trinkets were actually from New Jersey and that the spot is right in Inwood Park. see a huge monument to it. And I said, no, it's the Canarsie Indians who got ripped off. And we got into a raging battle. I might add, nobody calling was a native Indian, an indigenous person, or a First Nation person. See, we're covering Alaska, we're covering uh, Hudson Bay, and we're also covering all of Canada when we say that. We got all our bases covered. Nobody can say I'm anti-Indian. I made references to them by the three politically correct terms. Not one native Indian was calling up. And here are all these white people. And you don't know what you're talking about. I say... Truly, do you know anything about the uh, Native Indian community? I started clicking off all the reservations I've been on. Whoa, well, I've been there to buy the no tax cigarettes and the no tax gasoline. Yeah, like a drive through, like a drive through at Mickey D's. Do you really know about reservation life? Is this is what I got to put up between you know, uh, excuse me, Friday night twelve midnight to six in the morning, then uh, Saturday night twelve midnight to six in the morning, people. I want
2: to argue. It's okay. I love to
1: argue. Let's go to Pamela calling from Central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pamela.
5: Yeah, I just want to uh, uh, correct you on the Tennessee issue. They do have taxes. The sales tax is nine and three quarters, which if you go to the grocery store, and especially when you're into animals, uh, you know you know how uh, pet food and supplies are taxed in Jersey and obviously New York, most likely. Uh, that's where they get you. So um I'm just saying there are taxes but they shift it into other areas. So
1: let me tell you Pamela when I was down in Florida the biggest flight of Floridians to another state is Tennessee because the one problem you have in Florida is you can't get flood insurance because of the threat oh, right. of hurricanes all the time. So flood insurance is high. So people flee to Tennessee where you are correct there is a sales tax there. But that's why Justin Timberlake, remember Justin Timberlake of the wardrobe malfunction with Janet Jackson? Remember, just his primary residence is Tennessee, not Los Angeles. In fact, remember, he actually had to go all the way back to Tennessee to vote in the election. Uh, he voted for Biden, I'm assuming, and not Trump, but he almost got in trouble because he took a selfie of himself to show how he was voting in Nashville, Tennessee. He he has a primary residence there to escape taxes. Do you know who the other big megastar whose primary residence is in Nashville, Pamela, to avoid taxes? Taylor Swift. That's right, Taylor Swift. And by the way, tonight, Kanye West will not be... In the house of the Grammys in Vegas, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Oh, the organizers of the Grammys are so nervous. My God, we might have another Will Smith, Chris Rock, and of course, Jada Jada Pinkett Smith. Never trust anybody with three names. They are so terrified that Kanye West, the kukulamunga, may try to bum rush his way in to pimp slap Pete Davidson, for grabbing on to uh, Kardashian's enormous tuchus. Did you know that, Pamela?
5: Well, all the liberals live part-time in Nashville and part-time in Hollywood. Nashville is the new Hollywood, so you got all your liberals living there to escape taxes of California. Exactly. They
1: have their their beef
5: houses in Malibu, and then they uh, have their farmland in Nashville. and And,
1: And by the way, you know, Taylor Smith was made the ambassador of New York City. By who? The schmuck, the Puts, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Soul. By the way, do you know where, um, do you know where, uh, see, it's so difficult for me to even say his name because for eight years he tortured us. Bill de Blasio, you know where de Blasio and his wife, Charlene, who stole one and a quarter billion dollars meant for the Thrive non-existent program to help all the emotionally disturbed. You know where they're living now? Are they living in their private home in the midst of all their hipster millennial friends of the DSA and the Justice Warriors in Park Slope? No, no, it's not ready to be moved into yet. It has to be renovated. Number one, who's paying for that? I'll bet you we are, sucker taxpayers. And why are they staying at the penthouse, at the Marriott Hotel in downtown Brooklyn? Who's paying for that? I can't seem to get any answers about that. You know, because they all protect one another as they eat their own babies. The Democrats here in the city of New York, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's... um. Go to Valerie in uh, Florida. Which part of Florida are you calling from, Valerie?
3: Hi, Curtis. It's actually Valeria, Italian for Valerie. Oh,
1: Valeria. Yes, an Italian supreme cushionette. Yes, Valeria.
3: Valeria. And I love when you talk about body because I've been there.
1: Oh, you have.
3: And I have some beautiful stories. The body, body people are amazing. But I just wanted to tell you about Ron DeSantis, who I've met two times, and I did promote him um, when I was working on Republican campaigns, and I want to tell you about the what people have termed the Don't Say Gay Bill. This is a bill to protect children in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. When they have any questions about what is gay, what is not gay, Valeria, it's not good, the good teacher's you, job. Uh,
1: uh, hold on one second, Valeria. You, you're you're stating it beautifully, eloquently, but I'm looking up at the Chiron right now, the 72 inch big screen TV, and it says the Dominic Carter Show, weekdays midnight to 1 p.m. Uh, excuse me, the House of Frank Morano and Dominic Carter. I, I can't believe this, Valeria. I have the staff of Frank Murano and Dominic Carter. They have this up on the chiron. You know, I'm on until 12 midnight. How do you like that, Valeria? They're bogarting me.
3: Yes, I know. But you know what? You have to understand. You are the favorite of everyone, honey. So the people are going to punch up. Just remember that.
1: No, no, no. That's what I got to worry about, Valeria. I got to worry about guys trying to punch up on me. They hit me in this jaw. It might be a glass jaw now. what
3: happens when you are the favorite, and we also love your wife.
1: Yes, who, by the way, by the way, Valeria, she will be on now 11 o'clock this evening because she has been removed from 12 midnight to make room for Dominic Carter.
3: People are going to tune in because she's very knowledgeable and she's got a beautiful heart and she has a gorgeous voice. She's very pretty as well. And she, if she went to med school, she'd pass with flying colors to be one of the best veterinarians ever. But having said that, dear, it's not a don't say gay bill. It's just so teachers do not instruct children about Sexuality, they let the parents do it back in the day, like we grew up. Our teachers didn't instruct us about sexuality from k through third grade. Our parents did that. You did that with your antony. I did that with my antony. Our parents didn't you know the teachers are not to instruct children about sexuality, like if a little girl comes to school and she says, "I feel like being a boy today." The teacher will say, okay, you go home and talk about that with mommy and daddy. The teacher is not going to instruct a little girl and vice versa. That's all it is, dear. That's now, all it
2: is.
1: Valeria, you have settled my soul because you know I love Marvin Gaye, spelled with an E, not just a G A Y. But I was worried if I was playing on my headphones sexual healing on what would have been his birthday if he was still alive yesterday and visiting Florida. If I was in the middle of Liberty City in Miami, I mean, that's brother central. If I was there, if I was in Overtown and, you know, having to battle the narco terrorists and I was rocking Marvin Gaye, I just wanted to know it wouldn't be the magic hand of DeSantis Coming out of the sky because he's like the Mashiach now and snatching me up and sending me back to New York City where the office buildings are empty, where there are vaccine mandates, where they're putting masks on on those who are in pre-kindergarten and kindergarten. Whereas Aaron Judge and Kyrie Irving, they don't even have to get vaccinated because they've been given a cutout. But the little whippersnappers that you talk about, Valeria, they're forced to wear a mask. You have settled my soul, Valeria. Oh, oh, I lost it. I lost it. I really did. I love being in Florida. If you look to my social networking, I posted. I I got so many hits from people I didn't even know. They were saying, "Yeah, make the move to Florida." Join us. Hey, I'm going down next month. No, no, no. I'm I'm going down in six months. There is this endless exodus to Florida, the first state that people are moving to, from Connecticut, from New Jersey, from Pennsylvania, and especially from all of New York, my boroughs. My whole belief is improve, don't move. But I noticed from the campaign I had a lot of those signs up on lawns, and the moment I lost... There went the improved don't move signs, and out came the for sale signs. Oh, man. Folks in Staten Island, southern Brooklyn, folks out there in the Irish Riviera, the Rockaways, Breezy Point, Broad Channel, Howard Beach, my friends and my enemies there. Up in the Neck, where I'll be tomorrow in the North Bronx, they're selling their homes. They're leaving our city. They're giving up for a variety of reasons because who is luring them? DeSantis, to the land of freedom, to the land of quality of life, to the land where you can get a condo and a burial plot all in one day when you sign on the dotted line. And they don't tax you for that. Your burial plot, they don't even tax you for that in Florida.
0: New York's talk station with the king of New York, 49. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. <laughs>
1: Seventy-nine. This song, Good Times, having nothing to do with the sitcom on TV with dino who actually uh, used to work at WMCA when it was the talk station here, number one in the Northeast Corridor. He was an engineer. That's right. Did you know that? In fact, uh, the host of a show uh, who uh, was a, an extreme left winger would come on at night. Perhaps to the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, at the old WMCA. And Dino Mind, who was from the Bronx, would go to a door where somebody was knocking at the door. This is when, you know, you didn't have guards, you didn't have worries. where people could walk around in the streets. If you were Mickey Mantle, Joe Namath, Walt Frazier, it didn't matter. You were unmolested. Nobody bothered you. And this guy was John Lennon knocking on the door. Because, as you know, he lived at the Dakota on 72nd off of Central Park West. And he would listen to Bob Grant in the afternoon. And you know John Lennon's politics. And Yoko, ah, was extremely radical. So he wanted to come and vent. Vent. So he knocks at the door. And dynamite. By the way, what was his name? Dino from the Bronx, who became the number one TV star in America in good times. Uh, he was there with a guy named Alex Bennett, who was so extraordinarily radical on WMCA that John Lennon would walk in and sit there and talk with Alex Bennett for an hour. I was packing out shelves at AMP, the great Atlantic and Pacific company. Because I was the the night manager. I was the key man. And I was like, my God, that's John Lennon on with Alex Bennett jaw for an hour complaining about the King of Talk Radio, my mentor, Bob Grant. Oh, that was so good. And then, unfortunately, I think it was 82, John Lennon gets killed outside of the Dakota by, what is that, uh, hmm? That was a guy from Hawaii who had three names, right? Never trust anybody with three names. Mark David Chapman, who's now still in Attica. He's had like 52 parole hearings. Why the hell would you even give the guy a parole hearing? Even Yoko, as progressive, as liberal, as sensitive, she wouldn't hurt a fly. She said, kill him. Put him in Sing Sing. Fire up old Sparky. That's right, electrocute that SOB. Mark David Chapman. By the way, do you know, what was she? This is how I digress. I remember as a kid watching the Mike Douglas show. Mike Douglas show. Out of Philadelphia, when a lot of great shows came out of Philadelphia. Remember American Bandstand with Dick Clark? Uh, Dance Fever with Terry O'Reilly, who trained Travolta for Saturday Night Fever. They all came out of Philadelphia. So there's Mike Douglas for a whole week. The co-hosts in the afternoon was John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and you know who Michael Douglas's producer was? Roger Ailes. I'm watching that like all week after school. I couldn't believe it. This John, and they were inviting all their radical friends and their hippie friends on the Mike Douglas show. This guy was a lounge singer from Chicago. But you see, that was the beauty of TV. Wasn't Dick Cavett at night. You expected that out of Dick Cavett because he was a, let's just be kind to Dick Cavett. He was a bit eccentric. But Mike Douglas, he was like mom apple pie in the flag. I think his first show was in Cleveland. That's where a lot of other great shows came out of. And then they decided Cleveland low budget, that mistake by the Lake Lake Erie. So where did they go? Philadelphia, Philadelphia used to be the epicenter of a lot of TV broadcasts. Now it's the epicenter of murders. Murders. Boy, how far we have fallen in this northeast second. No wonder why so many people are fleeing. But I want to change. I need a little good times, please. Uh, If I I digress there from Sheik, the number one hit in the summer of 1979 when I had started the Guardian Angels in the Bronx and we came in on the D train. We were flexing. Because there was a gang called the Crazy Homicides that was shaking down the vendors. There was even taking money from the hookers on the boardwalk. I mean, how low can you go? But they controlled the place. Not the cops at the 60th precinct. The Crazy Homicides. And we rolled in there. I'm not going to describe the methods that we use to liberate Coney Island. But let's just say... The crazy homicides were less crazy than they had been before, okay? And there were less of them. Not because, let's just say, like, uh, Eric Adams uh, busted up all those encampments. You know, those homeless people didn't just disappear. They just got repatriated into Penn Station, where I spent all night yesterday, high-fiving guys. I said, what encampment were you from? Oh, you know, the Lower East Side there. Oh, where are you from? Hey... You were up there, right? Riverbank Park, right? With the squirrel man up in the tree. That's right. We're here in Penn State. You see, you may take down their encampments, but check the vestibule of the ATM machine when you go to withdraw your money. And they're copping his squat there. But I digress again. I'm feeling good. I've had a mood elevation. Because yesterday was the opening of Luna Park, Coney Island, the 95th birthday and anniversary of the greatest roller coaster in the history of amusement parks, the Cyclone. And the first people, first 95 people online, got free rides. Can I ever tell you about the time I finished third in the annual Dirty Water Hot Dog Eating Contest at Nathan's Famous in Coney Island? I had eaten, believe it or not... Fourteen, uh, make that sixteen, because I cheated. They gave me an additional two because I put two of the dirty water hot dogs in my pocket. Gersh Kuntsman, who was supposed to be watching me, it was like it was a little Harry Houdini, little sleight of hand. He couldn't catch the two dirty water hot dogs so that I stuck in my pockets. But anyway, I finished third to the Maspsmith Incinerator, who now lives not in Maspsmith in Florida, like the rest of the competitors. But anyway, I said to Babita Hariani at that time, who was the news gal who had followed me, who was all like celebrating. I finished third and I said, you know what we're doing now? We're going to take a ride on the cyclone. She goes, I'm not getting in that cyclone with you. You just ate 16 hot dogs. I said, but a man's man has got to hold it down. Let me just say that was the toughest roller coaster ride that I ever, ever took in my life, but I wish I could have been in Coney Island yesterday. If I had been the mayor, I would have been there. Eric Adams, well, you know, he's adding to his uh what do we call that? His mileage, uh, you know, travel mileage, free 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 airline mileage with his whole staff. They were in Washington. I would have been in Luna Park. I would have been riding the cyclone. Because Coney Island is recovering. We gotta get back on the good foot. Not going to Broadway openings. That's where Eric Adams is styling and profiling tonight. Another red carpet. No, you got to go where the people go. The big CI, Coney Island, the tornado, the bumper cars with thug life and the thuggets are. Oh, yeah. But it's open. And by the way, uh, next, uh, next Sunday. One of the two days that I actually have a religious excursion. I am an AMP Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, and then you don't see me for a month of Sundays. So I will get my palms, and then I will go to the blessing of the rides. The really, I mean, this is when they really turn it out in Coney Island. Because soon after, it's Easter Sunday, the 17th, and let me tell you something that's when the gangs assemble in Coney Island and they have open warfare. It is the tradition of Coney Island, and I and the Guardian Angels will be out there, and hopefully five o. the NYPD is going to be flexing and out there strong so that everybody can have a good time on Easter Sunday. It's mostly the poor, the indigent, men and women from the projects or who are lower income or lower middle class or middle class, uh, but it's a great place. And now you have all the Russians and soon the Ukrainians who are waiting in Tijuana. There are thousands waiting to come through. And they'll soon be in Brighton Beach and Cheap Bay and Coney Island in those Trump Towers there like so many before. I love C.I. I I love Coney Island. And then get ready. June 18th, freaky deekies. Because it's back after a two-year hiatus. A little tribute to Dick Ziggins who was the titular mayor of Coney Island. He ran the Coney Island, and I believe he still does the freak show. You know, with the sword swallower, the tattoo man. Although now, what's a tattoo man with everybody being grunge, right? Yeah, I mean they have more tattoos than the tattoo man. The three-headed person, you know, oh, the freak show is great. But they sacked Diggs Ligan. He's no longer running the annual Mermaid Day Parade on June 18th. How did that happen? <sighs> but life moves on. So you'll have all the freaks that come out and play. This is for hipsters and millennials and artists. This is when women, <clears throat> men in transition to be women. I have to be politically correct here. And some men who think they're women. Because remember, you don't need to get rid of your anatomical parts and change to a different a different uh, way of plumbing. According to the liberals and progressives, the Democratic Socialists of America, the justice warriors, if I just think I'm a woman, I'm a woman. So they'll be marching in the annual Mermaid Day Parade, many of them dressed as mermaids and not wearing any tops. Mm -hmm. Boy, and not even those pasties that used to be part of the burlesque. Gypsy Rose Lee, remember? The great burlesque queen. Or if you've ever been down to the block in Baltimore, right near police headquarters. Wow. Old style burlesque. How do I know? I've heard that from the old timers. You know, my eyeballs did not drop to my ankles. But anyway, I I digress again. A lot of people don't realize that in the year 2000, Dick Ziggin and the, the committee, it puts together the annual Mermaid Day Parade, which is really our, far, our form of Fat Tuesday in New Orleans, our form of Mardi Gras in Rio, although really low budget in comparison. I'll never forget in 2000 when I was chosen to be a King Neptune. And do you know who my queen was? Queen Latifah from East Orange, Newark. Now. Now, she won't even return my calls. You know, I'm a little pissy. I'm a schmendrick. She's a big Hollywood star. She's probably at the Grammys tonight. And as big as Queen Latifah is, you think Kanye West is going to try to run past her and, get her and do anything uh, that he wants to do? No, he's been banned from the Grammys in Vegas tonight. But I would bet you Queen Latifah will be there. But in 2000, she was queen of the Mermaid Day Parade. I was King Neptune. And when we walked around on the boardwalk, walked through the sand with all the women with no tops on pretending to be mermaids and sirens and men pretending to be women. Hey, what the hell, you know. They were mermaids. If they thought they were women mermaids, they were mermaids. Debaucherous, decadent, hedonistic. So at the end of me being Kim Neptune, Queen Latifah had a whole basket full of fruits, and she threw it in Coney Island, which at that time was like an open – Let's just say an open receptacle for flotsam and jetsam. I'm being very kind. It'd be like swimming in your toilet bowl. There were so many people out there, and the the sea was sort of stagnant. And she threw it out there, and I had to go fetch it, swim out, and bring back the fruit. It was all part of the ceremony. I so loved doing that because I had to prove I was a macho, maniacal guy. It was 110 degrees in the shade, and I took off the King Nehru sandals. And I walked around in bare feet on the hot asphalt. The bottom of my feet were bubbling, bubbling. I couldn't. I'm King Neptune. So after I retrieved all the fruit, people were wondering, Curtis, you can swim back. No, no, I'm not coming back. Man, my dogs are like barking. So I was in the water for about two hours in my King Neptune garb. So great. I can't wait. June 18th. And then just to give the owners and operators of Gargiulio's, the restaurant, a great restaurant. It's uh, opened back up. I go in there to have a meal and they get nervous. Curtis, we don't want no trouble. You know from, you know what we're talking about, right? Hey, don't worry about it. Everything's cool. But just give me the rigatoni, huh? You know, no sauce. You know, I got, uh, I got the Crohn's disease. Just butter, right? I, I'll, I'll eat the rigatoni and go, Please. The guys, they can't see you here. You know, they get very upset. Take a chill pill. Oh, it was so good yesterday. So good. And then the bad news. The shootings, the killings, the endless, endless series of violations that have been transpiring here. In fact, I'd like to do a panoply of the different show hosts here at WABC. you got to listen during the week, Monday through Fridays. And if you can't, you got to go to the podcast at WABCradio.com. All of them spoke on it. All of them quite different. All of them in, uh, in their own style. First, it was Bo Snurley. You can hear Bo four to five. Right Monday through Fridays, uh, right before John Katsimatidis and the Cats Roundtable. And then he's got a new additional hour on Saturdays. Great show from 7 to 10. But Bo was originally from Southeast Queens. He's a local guy. I remember when he did Minorities with Priorities, when he was the phone screener for Rush Limbaugh, when we were all together on the 17th floor of Two-Penn Plaza. Uh, at Madison Square Garden, when Rush actually broadcast from there. And on the weekends, on Saturday, he would do the Minorities with Priority show with Joel Santisteban, who used to be in charge of the traffic department. Uh, he's now retired. And where is he? Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where? Are, Florida. <laughs> where? Uh, you, you say, what, West Coast or East Coast? <laughs> and then some of them say, no, the Panhandle. You know, Panama City, you know, Pensacola. Okay. That was a great show. And Bo's a great talk show host, no doubt. He's established his own reputation. He thinks he's Barry White with the pipes, you know, as an African-American, Uriel, Asiatic guy who knows his R&B music. But here's Bo talking about the tragedy of of all of the kids being shot here in the streets of New
8: York. Meanwhile, in New York, there's a report from Fox News today. New York children wounded 26 times so far in 2022. Shootings of kids nearly doubled by mid-March. Well, what do you know? In New York, it's not even safe for the children. They're being shot at record numbers. Nearly double the number of children have been shot on New York City streets this year. While the mayor is worried that the buildings are not lit up in pink, blue, and white. And what he
1: meant by that was the transparent transvestite day that was announced by President Joe Biden and our mayor, Eric Adams. But he's right. Kids getting shot all over New York City. Not far from where I grew up in Canarsie and East Flatbush. Did you see that 12-year-old child killed in the car because of drive-by shootings by gangbangers? They still haven't found them horrific the mother couldn't even speak collapsed in that lawn chair you just looked at her her eyes were rolling in the back of her head the pain the suffering and the one man who could be consultant who knows how to make our city safe can be heard here every monday through friday from three to four he's the only person ever to do it to take us out of the belly of the beast, the murder capital of America with 5,000 unsolved shootings to the safest big city in America over eight years from the days of David Dinkins. That's my combative chief, Rudy Giuliani. But there's been no outreach from Eric Adams or any of his staff. He's met with uh, Andrew evilized Cuomo. What the hell is Cuomo going to tell him about dealing with crime in the streets? And Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie. Hey, he knows how to prosecute white-collar criminals and political uh, criminals. But he doesn't know about the streets. Rudy does. And
6: here's Rudy rightfully in a rage. Stop your endless talking. You should have been doing it already. You don't get the first three months to figure out what the hell you're doing while people are dying. New York City children wounded 26 times so far in 2022. Shooting of kids nearly doubled By mid-March, Adams, that's disgusting. Children, and you're figuring it out, and we're going slowly? Yeah, the kids who die don't get slowly. You can't do these jobs unless you have a passion, and you have energy, and you work like a dog. Lazy people make lousy mayors. People who like to go to parties too much make disastrous mayors. Subway crime surges 75% amid New York City's crime prevention program. How about don't go to the party, sit down all night, and come up with a better subway plan? That's what I did.
1: And he did. And he was tenacious. Remember what he inherited from David Dinkins. As we speak tonight, there are more attacks against our citizens in transit, in the streets, and parks. It's endless. And our mayor, where is he? The red carpet, going to another Broadway musical, please. Meet with Rudy Giuliani. The mayor and his staff are saying that they're doing broken windows. Who created broken windows for the city police department, Rudy? Who knows it better than Rudy? Put aside your ego, Eric Adams. Put aside your differences over the outcome of the Biden Trump election and just talk about public safety. Nobody ever did it better. Nobody. Then there was Rudy talking about the feckless, weak media here that just uh, has not yet risen to the occasion.
6: How about video captures man suddenly, fatally shooting man he's walking with in Queens? I don't know. I have to keep going on with these. We can do it by incident. We can do it by statistics. We can do it because, once again, the press is sucking up to you. They should be kicking your ass. So you start working. Instead of making believe because you're saying the right things, we're going in the right direction. You know, i
1: watched that video. It was out in uh, Far Rockaway. I know that area. I lived there right near 52nd next to the firehouse of what they called Ocean View. It was a brand-new uh, apartment building right on the ocean that opened in uh, 1974, and I lived there for a while. And I know all the projects there, Edgemere, they changed their name to, like, uh, Ocean Bay. You, you could change the name a million times. It's still Edgemere. It's a blood project, Arvurn, Redfern. It's out of control. You see in the grainy video two young African-American men. They seem to be having a nice conversation, both wearing hoodies. And you probably saw it on the news. The one young man pulls a gun and shoots him right in the head twice to leave him die. Turns out the victim was from East New York. He jumped into a car. His family didn't know whose car and who these friends were. And he drove out to Far Rockaway. We still don't know why he was executed in cold-blooded murder. Hopefully the NYPD will be able to make an arrest. But this is going on all over the city. And then Greg Kelly. You don't want to miss Greg Kelly show. It is now my favorite show on WABC. The guy, it's streaming consciousness. He's always digressing. He has attention deficit disorder. But let me tell you something. He hits on so many topics. And he's got the cred. Remember, the son of the longest-serving police commissioner in the city of New York, Ray Kelly. Here's Greg Kelly that you can hear one to three, Monday through Fridays here at WABC, speaking about broken windows.
7: So uh, when you hear about broken windows, they're bringing it back. It just <laughs> These are just desperate men throwing out phrases they don't know what's going on they don't know how to fix it they uh, they help break it by the way eric adams helped bring us to this moment and don't forget how tight eric adams is or at least was with bill de blasio Bill did all kinds of things to make eric the borough president imagine that going from borough president to being mayor
1: yeah all true and then uh greg kelly hones in on the media Which oftentimes has given Eric Adams a free pass out of not resolving problems that he said he was on top of because he gets stuff done.
7: So Eric is out of ideas. So what does he do? He starts blaming people. And, of course, let's blame. In this case, we'll blame the media. Sure, everybody hates the
1: media. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my story has been
8: interpreted by people that don't look like me.
7: Oh, my gosh. Make all the journalists look like Eric, okay? Send them off to uh, a vegan farm, put him in a, 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 you know, Barry's boot camp. Send him to Hugo Boss, get him some suits. Got to look like Eric if you want to cover Eric. How racist can you get? It's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting how they're talking and how they're behaving and what they're advocating. And the cowardice shown by so many people of all colors who know better to just go along with it.
1: He's so spot on. That's why I love Greg Kelly's show. You got to, if you can't hear it uh, through appointment radio, Monday through Fridays, one to three, you got to get it on the podcast. He is so right. The media, because they're mostly white, are afraid to uh, investigate certain things that they should investigate for everyone, Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter who. But it was funny how he said, "You go, boss." This is one of the things I've always done. You're going to like this. So here's a young Jewish guy, not Orthodox, not Hasidic, but he's got his brand new you-go Boss suit on, and I can tell it's a Hugo Boss suit. And I go up to him and I say, um, "What's your name, Bruce? Okay, where do you where do you live, Bruce? Oh, I live out in Westbury." Oh, where do you work? Oh, here's 6th Avenue. I just got a new job at an advertising firm. I said, well, that's good. You happen to be uh, Jewish, boots? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a bar mitzvah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big bar mitzvah. Okay. I'm sure your parents are now having to get a reverse mortgage because of your bar mitzvah that took place so many years ago. And they get a nice belly left. I said, you know, that's a Hugo Boss suit. Right? Oh, yeah, and it shows me the label. You know, hey, this is not a knockoff. This is Hugo Boss I said, you should impale yourself with a menorah. Do you know that Hugo Boss created the uniforms for the SS who took Jews to the concentration camps or shot them in the back of the head? You're going to wear that suit? All of a sudden, the kid is like, you're making me feel so bad, Curtis. I didn't know that. They don't teach the young Jewish men this. But notice, they didn't teach him about Tetley T. In Miami Beach or in New York City. Why do more Jewish people drink Tetley tea and not Lipton? They have no idea. You go into the house, you go into the cupboard. Could I have a cup of tea? Because I like drinking tea. It's Tetley. It's Tetley. And then I ask, like the Weisenheimer, I am, why Tetley? How come not Lipton? I don't know. It's what my booby, my Zeta, always used to make when we'd come over Tetley. And then I tell them again. Nobody told them. Arthur Godfrey who was as popular in TV and radio. He did both. It's sort of like the rock-ribbed old American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, now Sean Hannity, right? Top TV program, top radio program. Except his was more of a variety show. Arthur Godfrey would have the cup of Lipton on his desk that had the logo, Lipton. And he would make anti-Semitic jokes and anti-Semitic remarks. And a lot of the Jews watching would say, that's, they were never buying Lipton. We're buying Tetley. So how the hell, as a Jew, you would buy a Yugo Boss suit with all the other suits that are available to you, including Men's Warehouse, uh, uh, warehouse Outlet, a lot cheaper than any Yugo Boss suit? Do you not know that he designed the outfits for the SS? Oh, I get great knockers, the Gentile that I am, lecturing young Jewish guys who are, like, making their bones, you know, down in Wall Street with the hedge funds, advertising firms. They're so proud. They got a Hugo Boss suit. After I finish with them, they want to burn the suit. In fact, they want to give it to a homeless guy that they see there outside on 6th Avenue. 1-800-848-9222.
9: to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. New York's talk station with the
0: king of New York, oh, you know Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
2: Oh, mama. Oh, papa. You should have seen your little son. Hey. The first time the youth come on New York, them you Muscles Skylar, learn a trade or go to school, and don't you turn yourself in a fool. But now him gone a record island. He never won't go a record island. He must walk on school Yes, you're
1: a blood clot, a Yankee running, man, a rude boy. Am I but able to say rude boy, boy to to DeSantis in DeSantis Land? Oh, no, that's okay. He so wouldn't know so it, so what a rude boy, boy is either. Anyway, this is, believe it or not, the theme song for Rikers Island. It has a bit of a Jamaican-Caribbean flavor to it, West Indian flavor to it. So, the reason we're going to talk about Rikers Island to tell you what a dysfunctional system this is. Now, how do I know? Because I've been locked up in Rikers Island more times than I would care to count on both my hands. So I love these elected officials, these appointed officials, Democrats, Republicans. They go on the uh, the King, uh, the Cooks tour of Rikers Island. They go in there for an hour. Oh, oh, my God. He threatened to kill me. He gave me defecation education. Where's my hazmat suit? Oh, God, I might have botulism. or well, Ebola, the flesh-eating virus. And these inmates, they know how to spark it up with the visitors. You know, whether they happen to be Democrats or Republicans. I can't believe what I saw in there. Well, I was locked up there many times in a dormitory with 40 guys. Imagine in a dormitory with 40 guys. And you're the only white guy with 40 guys. And you're the guardian angel leader. And the only correctional officer is a smaller African-American woman. The reason they choose them is the inmates don't give them a hard time. If you put a guy in there, black, white, Hispanic, oh, they want to fight him as a correctional officer. And the only thing they have is a body alarm if things go awry because you can't carry weapons because the inmates could take the weapon from you and then turn on you. So imagine what it was like for me trying to get a little sleep at night, and then all of a sudden they wanted to give me a blanket party. And I'm not talking about beach Blanket bingo with Annette Funicello and uh, Paul Anker. No. And I've also been locked up in what they call protective custody punk city because the inmates wanted to tear me up, and the CEOs, the correctional officers, the screws said, hey, we better get this guy in protective custody. They put me in solitary confinement one time. I have no idea why, but at least they kept all these guys off my back, and then they had me in the general population in a cell in which I had a share it was a who wasn't all that impressed that Curtis Sliwa, Mr. Guardian Angel Man, was in there. Remember, I've been arrested a total of 77 times. And on a few occasions, they lost my paperwork. And the next thing they said is, we got to send you out to Rikers for a few days until we find your paperwork. It's okay. This is the business that I have chosen. Suck it up, Slewa Just don't go to sleep. Feet don't fail me now. When I was asleep, I had one eye open. But um, you had commissary. Now, I can't say I was there long enough to understand completely how commissary worked. But generally, you put in the list of items that you can pay for. You have an account because normally, you know, your mother, because your mother never, never cuts you loose. Your dad, he's gone. He's been gone for years. Your brothers and sisters, they don't want you back when you cut loose. Most inmates in Rikers Island are there because they can't make bail or they've already copped a plea or been given a sentence of a year or less or they're waiting to be transferred upstate because they've been sentenced to a year or more. So that's the bulk of the population on Rikers Island. Now there's only 5,700 inmates in the city correctional system, some of them on the barge in Hunts Point and most of them on Rikers Island. Back when Rudy Giuliani was the mayor and inherited a mess from David Dinkins and appointed Bernard Kerrick to run the correctional department, who, in my mind, was the best correctional chief that the system ever had. I mean, I was there when Dinkins was mayor and Catherine Abate, the former state senator, was running corrections. Nice woman, but she knew nothing about nothing when it came to corrections. All she knew was, Curtis, you got to try the pancakes, they are really good. You'll want a second helping. I said, that's the best you can do in telling me about Rikerside. The pancakes are great here. Look at the correctional officers. Even they have two servings. That was it. Out of control. They had riots there during Dinkins. The correctional officers under the uh, correctional chief at that time of the union, Silly. they took over the bridge that leads into Astoria off Steinway. And it was, like, tumultuous. Rudy gets involved. Hey, Bernie, Bernard Kerrick, he had never been involved in corrections. He had been a New York City police officer. You're running the correctional department. And let me tell you something. Having visited when Bernard Carrick ran the correctional department in Rikers, he, he, I mean, everybody was disciplined. You did not mess with another inmate. You did not mess with a correctional officer. You had respect, or there was a price to pay. You'd be in the bing solitary confinement, and you deserve to be there. But they had a special place for guys who were contrarians, who were wise guys, who didn't want to follow the rules and regulations. They would take your Timberland boots, they'd take your Nikes or your Pumas, you know, the suede ones, and you'd have your little, uh, your little toothbrush, and, you know, you, you'd wave, the, wave it over your suede Pumas or you were hoping to have a Maytag in your cellar would do that and wash your underwear in the turlet. Well, I, I got to show you how you do that. I had to do that a few times. Hey, it's, it's great. Hey, what the hell? You going to wear dirty underwear? If all of a sudden you got slashed, and all the times guys coming at me with single-edge razors, right, I didn't want to go to Elmhurst Hospital and have dirty underwear on. You know, I remember what my mother said. Always wear a fresh pair of underwear, Curtis. Don't embarrass the family that they take you into the emergency room, and there it is. You got dirty underwear on. That will be a reflection on the Sliwa family. Years later, right, I get shot five times with hollow-point bullets. There's blood everywhere. And what was I most worried about? Did I have a pair of clean <laughs> underwear on? You know, 99 cents. It was from the, what? this is before there was a dollar store, John Bargain store, whatever. I was concerned, did I have a pair of clean underwear on? You see, that's how my mom had worked into my, Curtis, that's why you got to change your underwear each and every day. God forbid there's an accident and they have to take you to the ER, the hospital, and they see that, hmm, it's not as clean as it should be. I'm not going to get graphic, Curtis, but you know, that'll be a stain on the honor of the sleevers. Does your father deserve that? Man, I I ended up getting traumatized. All of a sudden, I I can't have dirty underwear. I could cross the street, get it by a car. Do you think the EMT cares that you have dirty underwear? But in my mind, it's like, yeah. They could be doing triage on me, pumping me, you know, trying to get life back into me, doing CPR, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which I wasn't looking forward to. But my concern wouldn't have been... That The Grim Reaper didn't get me, but do I have a pair of clean underwear on? That's how crazy our parents were. And I'm sure some of you shared in that. But let me tell you about the craziness of Rikers Island now. Gangs run Rikers Island. They run Rikers Island. The Bloods are the most powerful gang. Then the Crips. Then MS-13 and Trinitarios. Oh, they're bad boys, Dominicans, Trinitarios. And they're known for the single-edge razor blade that they park in their mouth. They put a little tape around it. They park it in their mouth. They reach into their mouth. Next thing you know, and you're bleeding. You're jugular vein. You're bleeding out. You're on the floor. That's it. Dead, gone, worth So they run Rikers Island. Don't, you know, they run Rikers Island. That we just have to accept that. And obviously, Eric Adams, the mayor, is doing a better job with Rikers Island than Bill de Blasio, who didn't even want to go there. So he chose a guy I know a little bit about. He was in Westchester. He was around the country. Louis Molina, as the new correctional commissioner. And he knows about lockups. And he seems to be a tough guy, unlike the missing in action correctional commissioner of Bill de Blasio. By the way, the first one that he appointed was from Maine. What the hell would a guy know about running a jail in moose country, Maine? But Bill de Blasio said, oh, he knows of the -the state-of-the-art ways of running a prison. The guy every weekend left for Maine. He had the moose lodge meeting, you know, where he had to do moose calls. And we paid for all of that. So it's a much better commissioner that we have. And the unions are now being listened to, whereas they weren't before. But the place is a hot mess. So what's the first thing that the incoming correctional commissioner, who I'm uh, saying I think ultimately will do a good job, much better than de Blasio's moose-calling commissioner from uh, Maine, Louis Molina. He sent an order to all commanding officers announcing a new plan. I said, wow, good He's going to put all the gangbangers in solitary confinement. He's going to separate them so that they don't end up running the tears, running C-74, C-76. Hey, I know a lot of you say, wow, how do you know those places? I was in there, you know. I was in there, okay. Watch your back, they'd say. You know, when it was time to go take a shower or you had to go, uh, you know, use the little boy's room, the urinal. It didn't matter that you might make a mess and miss your desired target there. The urinal, just watch your back. And you had to. You had to. And phone privilege? you know what the biggest fight was over? The use of the phone. So whatever house gang ran that tier, they would decide who got phone privilege. And if you wanted phone privilege, which everybody was supposed to get, even the nebbishy, schlubby, schmendrick prisoners, even the transgenders or the men identifying uh, themselves as women who couldn't quite figure out yet what in life they were, even they were entitled to the use of the phone. But you really think that the house gang leader is going to let you use the phone without shaking you down, extorting you? Uh, it, it, did the did the correctional commissioner not think That's how you get phone privilege, by paying off the house boss. So he has decided that he's scrapping the way commissary was done. You fill out a little sheet. And what do you think is the most popular item in commissary, right? What do you think? Ramen noodles? No, that's in college. Chef Boyardee, that's in college. Honey buns. People have been slashed for honey buns. I kid you not. They squirrel it away. You got honey buns in your cell or the dorm. You guard it religiously. Honey buns is the number one item in commissary. Now, when you could buy cigarettes, you can't do that anymore. But they do it anyway, you know, in the black market. How they get the cigarettes into Rikers Island, I can tell you. But nobody asks me, right? It's coming from the CEOs. You know, you know, when all of a sudden the correctional officer is coming to work and he's waddling. And you say, hey, hey, Jack, hey, Phil, what's wrong? You're waddling. Oh, you know, I I pulled, you know, a hamstring. What you got to do is do a bend and squat with them because all the contraband is right between their two cheeks of their tuchus, their tush, their dupa. Well, no, you know, you think the correctional officers are going to check their own people? Of course not. But that's how a lot of stuff gets into the jail. You wonder, how do they have satellite cell phones on Riker's? Imagine putting a satellite cell phone up your tush in order to get paid off by some inmate or his family on the outside. But anyway, theater of the mind. Imagine that. Okay. So now you're not going to be submitting anything on paper. They want to eliminate paper. Okay. You know, that's our society now. It needs to be a paperless society. We've destroyed enough trees. And there are really few trees out in Pakistan. So now you're going to submit your order using the telephones that few of the guys can use because it's Darwinian, strongest uh, survival of the fittest, and you're going to place your order over the phone. Place your order over the phone. And then at some point, some inmate or maybe the Amazon guy is going (laughs) to deliver your order to your cell or your dormitory. I kid you not. I don't know how they're going to do this. But you place your order on the telephone, it's then entered, you know, a computerized system. The problem is that whether it's Amazon or any other e-commerce unit, how the hell are you going to get the orders? Do they not realize in the lockup you don't have easy access to the phones? You're either paying off the house gang members or you become their Maytag or Bubba decides you're going to spend the night with him on Friday night in his cell. You're a Maytag. Yeah, neat idea. Should I be more descriptive? This is theater of the mind, right? But you need to know because most of you, let's face it, you're never going to be on Rikers Island. Some of you, yeah, maybe. Some of you were correctional officers, and where are they now? Florida. <laughs> They're <right here. laughs> They're in Florida getting a pension. But the new commissioner says we have now created a system that is going to be state of the art. Meantime, you have now created a system, Commissioner of Corrections, that is going to create a lot more tension. Can you imagine this? And I've been in other lockups. They have a computer-based kiosk system, and the goods are delivered to the unit, which makes sense. You don't want the Amazon guy or girl walking into the tier at C74 or C76 <laughs> making deliveries to the cells. <sighs> Tying commissary access exclusively to the phone system its going to disrupt people's ability to... To access items that they desperately need, like toiletries, soap, shampoo that eliminates lice in your hair. Need I be more descriptive? And you know, why didn't they just ask me? I mean, I'm saying to myself, you, you, you don't want violence, you don't want instability. I get that, Commissioner of Corrections, Molina. But then again, you're going to create a system that hurts the detainees' access to phones. And most importantly, they're going to end up stinking up a storm because they don't have access to hygienic products. And if they stink in jail, they're going to catch a beatdown. Because the guy's are going to say, who stinks on the tier? Oh, it's Charlie there on cell 36. So you know what? They figure out a way to open your cell. And then they beat the living daylights out of you.
2: How did they? How did they? How did they solve that problem?
1: Look, this is common sense. This is based on experience, experiences that I've had. I'm not the only person that has ever been locked up in Rikers Island. But I've been locked up in the old Bronx House of Detention. That was south of Yankee Stadium. It was closed. I was locked up in the tombs, which is right next to 100 Center Street, which then became the Bernard Carrick Jail. And then when Bernie got into trouble, it was back to the tombs. It's now being closed. I've been locked up in the Brooklyn house, which is right near 100 Skimmer Street in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, which they changed into condos. And then they converted it back to a jail. And now it's not going to be used. Then the Queen's House of Detention, which was in Kew Gardens, right there off of the Grand Central Parkway. So they're knocking down all these old facilities to build new community jails. They're bringing prisoners to a neighborhood near you. And the only ones who were exempted? Staten Island! and how did they, how did they wean that out? Like, there are no criminals on Staten Island. I read the advance. There's shootouts every day in the North Shore. I mean, you're talking Stapleton, Park Hill, West Brighton, Jersey Street, Mariners Harbor. What do you think? There's no crime in Staten Island? So you don't deserve a community jail that's going to cost billions of dollars? This is crazy. So apparently they're working on a hush-hush, mush-mush plan, which makes sense. I'd like to applaud those individuals, men and women, who have finally gotten common sense. They're going to take down the various jails on Rikers Island. And those new community jails that they were going to build in the communities, they're going to build on Rikers Island, which makes more sense. I would, in addition, put a court on Rikers Island. So you could go to your hearings in that court. You could get arraignment in that court. Only about 5% of the inmates charged ever go to trial. It's all plea bargaining. The assistant DA sit down with legal aid if they're appointed or if you have a private attorney, and they work out a deal. And the way I used to be able to avoid having a long, sordid criminal record, they'd hit me with a felony because they claimed that my fist hit a criminal's nose, and he was uh, psychologically and physically damaged. So naturally, I pleaded ignorance. And then they said, okay, we're going to take that felony charge, that assault and battery, and we're going to knock it down to a misdemeanor. And so I would show up in court a few times, always be on time, always be dressed for success, not in a Hugo Boss suit, uh, and defer to the judge. Always say to the judge, I'm just not aware of that, and they have to defer to you. So after you've showed up a few times, you know the cops aren't going to show up for a variety of reasons sometimes because they got to go out and be cops. So I would say to the judge, Judge, this is how we can resolve this. I'll copper plead the disorderly conduct. And then he looks at the assistant DA. Are you willing to accept that? Yes. He uh, looks at me because I would represent myself pro se. You don't think I'm going to let anybody represent me? They would never go for that. They say, no, fight it. You know, I want to make my bones on this. No, no, no. We're not fighting it. I'm copping a plea to disorderly conduct. It's a violation. In six months, it goes away. When you check my record, poof, like the etch sketch like Puff the Magic Dragon, it's gone. Now, you would think the same judges who saw me pull the same chicanery, the same legal trick would have figured out my ruse. But you know something? All they do is, oh, that case is gone. That case is gone. Oh, thank you. That case is adjudicated. That's all it is. It's like going in and out of a supermarket. But they should build a courthouse on Rikers Island. This way, you don't have to put them in buses. I can always remember. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. waking me up, putting me on the Rikers bus with guys who hate my guts. And we got to go down. Let's see. One time it was uh, Bronx Criminal Court, 161st Street. Another time it was the Tombs. Another time, it was 100 Skimmershorn Street. And so you get there at about 6 o'clock in the morning if there's not a lot of traffic. If there's a lot of traffic, especially on the BQE, you could get there after lunch. Then they put you in a holding cell, and they give you a stale bologna sandwich. Now, you know how you know it's stale? When you look at the bologna, you could use it to make penicillin. Again, this is theater of the mind. I'm trying to describe it so it's to not to gross you out. I'm telling you... There is such bacteria that is grown on the chicken bologna. By the way, it's not beef bologna. It's chicken bologna. And you can take cultures from the bologna and make penicillin. So if all of a sudden you had a sexually transmitted disease, which many of the inmates have, it's called crabs and other things that... Quite frankly, they never went to the Board of Health when they got that letter that suggested to them that they needed to alert all of the partners that they had sex with that they themselves have a sexually transmitted disease. And they could swallow that when you eat that chicken bologna sandwich, and guess what? Poof. It's like penicillin. You're cured. You're not like Al Capone sitting in the bowels of an infamous prison in San Francisco that everybody has heard about in the shadow of Golden Gate Bridge. (laughs) Dying of syphilis. This, This is it. No more Rikers buses. The inmates get transported from the facilities on Rikers Island to the court. Everything is disseminated there. The only ones who are not going to like this are the lawyers because they got to slip out to Rikers Island. Tough noogies. Get into your, your ladders if you're communists, you know, your Russian cars, your Yugos, uh, you know, or whatever cars you have. Or take the bus. I used to take the bus out there when I'd have to visit, yes, others who were being detained on Rikers. Takes a while, but you can get there. And then adjudicate. Do your job there. Everything. It's one-stop shopping. And then you can build a huge hospital for those inmates that have severe mental health issues. This way they can get their medication and be separated so that they don't become a problem in the other houses for those that are jailed or for the correctional officers. But you know something? This just makes too much common sense. Thankfully, it appears that different forces that are involved in corrections, both in representing the inmates in representing the correctional officers, in representing us, the sucker taxpayers, in representing the powers that be in the city of New York, Eric Adams at City Hall, may finally have decided no to community jails, no to spending $8 billion on community jails, which we don't have, by the way. And yes to actually... Renovating some of the facilities on Rikers Island, the biggest problem there is ventilation. Ventilation is the worst problem. But many of those facilities should be knocked down. Some should be rehabbed, and you'll have more than enough space. And even have space to put homeless people out there in a shelter in which they can get fresh air and walk around Rikers Island. Except you don't let them walk across the bridge to Steinway Street so that the next thing you know they got an encampment right there on Ditmar's Boulevard in the heart because all the hipsters and millennials there who now occupy AOC, all our crazy land, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would say, oh my God, they have an encampment here. By the way, where did all the Greeks and Italians go? Oh, they fled. They went to Florida. And now you know the rest of the story. Up next... It's new time, it's new position on the dial, WABC. The most requested, listened to are the many hours that they do over the weekend. The Animal Welfare Show featuring my wife, rescuer extraordinaire, Nancy Sliwa. Over the
9: course course of of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Slewa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast.
0: The Curtis Slewa Show presents Curtis's Ark. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, here's Curtis Lewa.
1: Madonna, my do mine. As I stare at the 72 inch big screen TV to our Red Apple TV network that you can access at WABC WABCradio.tv, WABC TV. you see Curtis Lewa in a red beret, you see my red sateen jacket, and you see the Chiron that says the Dominic Carter show. I get no respect. I'm like the Rodney Dangerfield here at WABC. And now they're going to have Dominic Carter as a buffer between me and Frank Marano, who probably is arranging all of this because the crew I have tonight is not my normal crew for another side of midnight. That's right. It's been changed. One word. I have an African-American crew. Board operator, overnight producer, and phone screener. Uh, Saturdays going into Sundays for 6 hours, 12 midnight to 6 in the morning. And then Sunday mornings, 12 midnight to 6 in the morning, it's an all-African-American crew. I'm deeming us WWRL, the R&B station, for those hours. And now I got the Mighty Whiteys. They're playing air guitar, hacky sack, and no doubt following on the... Robert rules of orders, and they've been told they have to follow by the golden child of WABC. Oh, he's an untouchable. He can do no wrong, Frank Morano, We'll deal with him later on. But right now, the person who is responsible for the hour of radio that I am given each each week, out of the 20 I generally do, the most highly rated the uh, one hour in which we get more calls than any other hour, and the one that we get emails, texts, snail mail, and so many follow-up calls to. The Animal Welfare Hour, starring my wife, uh, Nancy Sliwa. Welcome to the new Animal Welfare Hour. Nancy, I know uh, you didn't have uh, much notice to this, but let's just deal with it as it is, Nancy.
10: Yeah, I will do. I mean, I'm pretty much accustomed to being the less no pertinent detail, so I'm fine with that. No worries.
1: That's the way it is is in our marriage with everything, right?
10: (laughs) There you go, exactly. So So why why should this be any different? Uh, Precisely.
1: Uh, But first, on the matter of animals, which is so important, not just dogs and cats. We talk a lot about that because uh, our listeners... Uh, have so many issues that affect their friends, their family members, their furry little family members. In fact, feel free to weigh in. This is the new at, new hour for the Animal Welfare Show. It's part of what I do here at WABC. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 wabc Recently on one of the shows, we talked about the passing of Betty White, a great animal lover. Uh, could you just... Sort of remind us how synonymous Betty White was with animal welfare, Nancy.
10: I mean, uh, Betty White, early in her career, she was, I believe, like the first person who ever put together a show that um, showcased pets and had guests on uh, where they were bringing their pet, but really bringing attention to uh, not only adopting pets in shelters, but spaying and neutering. So. I mean, she was like a trailblazer in that particular issue, and she incorporated them a lot in her her acting career as well.
1: I'll never forget uh, she had an appearance with Phil Donahue, which was the most watched afternoon talk show in America on NBC. And she devoted it not to uh, upcoming appearances she was making on TV or movies, but to the animals, the animals she was caring with, which was which was so nice of her to use that valuable time to educate all of us about animal concerns.
10: Yeah, and also showcasing all of the animals that were there. They were up for adoption, so uh, I believe every single animal on that show did get adopted.
1: Now, today is an occasion where, if she was still alive, we would be celebrating the life and times of one of the greatest iconic figures on the stage, She would have been at the Grammys if she were alive tonight in Las Vegas, would have been at the Academy Awards uh, the previous Sunday, because she was a movie star, she was a performer, she was a singer, and she was America's sweetheart, Doris Day. And uh, the thing that I found most impressive about Doris Day, for all of her many appearances, for all the times, is that she really became the sweetheart of America was her love of all animals, and uh, she used her wealth, set up an animal sanctuary out in Palm Beach, California, where she resided. And in her passing, she made sure the will was such so that the work would continue. We really need to acknowledge her because today would have been her birthday.
10: Yeah, uh, 100. She would have been 100 today.
1: What a great humanitarian towards animals.
10: I mean and, and when you think about anyone who has that level of attention and you know they could easily just retire and not be involved and but you know to to really prioritize helping you know any uh cause or any living creatures i mean that that definitely shows a lot to her character
1: our number one 9222 that's one eight hundred eight four eight w a b c whatever statements, whatever questions uh whatever the animal issue, feel free to bring into our attention. As uh, Nancy, my wife, animal rescuer extraordinaire, uh, is well-versed to handle uh, almost all of them. Uh, first question, uh, Nancy, apparently the Supreme Court is to hear a case on the treatment of pigs in California. I don't mean the Harvey Weinsteins of the uh, the uh, Hollywood community, but rather actual four-legged pigs, hazari, you know, oink oinks. Uh, what is this case about?
10: Well, there was um, uh, a proposition in California um, 2008 uh, whereby they were trying to... Uh, it was called the Farm Animal, uh, Animal Cruelty Act, and it was uh, creating certain forms of mm, living conditions for basically animals that are born and raised to be in the food chain. And the requirements that they were, uh, that were approved... By this proposition are incredibly minimal but I mean since 2008 it, it hasn't uh, been put into effect uh, you know as required now this is a proposition which is great because people are actually stating their opinion so it's not just oh maybe a legislative interest where they're just you know being you know influenced by a company like these are people saying no this is important to us and all these years later it hasn't been done and now you have, again, this is like one of these things that happens in legal uh, situations. The more money you have, the easier it is to fight these battles and then sometimes become the winner by virtue of that. So you have the California protection of livestock unfairly burdening the pork farmers. So this is their sort of uh, you know attempt to uh, stop this in, it, in its tracks. And basically it just has to do with uh, the different crates that animals are held in Uh, during the time they're either, um, you know, pregnant or during the time they're feeding, because at this point, it's so minimal, usually they can't uh, turn around within their crate. So, I mean, this is like a small, small sliver of trying to create some form of uh, humanity during the time that they're waiting on the food line. And it's it's been held up this long. It's, it's really shameful.
1: Interesting, because recently we had this discussion, Nancy, right here at WABC and the Animal Welfare Show, which now is no longer on from 12 midnight to 1, but 11 p.m. to 12 midnight. And then Dominic Carter comes on. Uh, in fact, uh, on the Chiron, on the 72-inch big screen TV, believe it or not, Nancy, it actually doesn't say Curtis and Nancy. It says the Dominic Carter Show. Yeah, that's that's not right. That's not right. Well, we'll, we'll straighten these uh, Weisenheimers out. We got Frank Morano's crew here. They're, they're making my life difficult tonight. But uh, Carl Icahn, one of the wealthiest men in America, but one who is known for buying companies, stripping them down, and just sucking the life out of them, uh, a real profiteer, has actually done a really solid thing in the last years of his life under the urgings of his daughter, who's a animal uh, rights activist, he's threatening a hostile takeover of McDonald's because they will not create that very thing uh, for pigs that they use as products to make sure that at least with the life that they have, they're not in a cage in which they can't even move, they can't even flinch. You imagine this guy would do a hostile takeover of Mickey D's, of Ray Kroc, of Oak killer Hill and Old over the pig issue?
10: Well, uh, unfortunately, if you look at the numbers, he has no possibility of doing that because he has such a small portion of the company. I mean, it's a very uh, of veiled threat right there. I mean, he has no ability to make that happen. So I think it's more of <clears throat> trying to bring attention. I know that his daughter is very um, animal rights proactive. But again, I mean, very piecemeal types of things. I mean, if he wanted to really stand on the side of uh, the animals, he would say, oh, we'll, we'll shift over our resources to some of these plant-based options, which obviously a lot of um, uh, even fast food places are doing. So that would actually be the bold move. This is just, uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, just for show.
1: Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Now on the local front, and this is happening all across the nation because of inflation, egg prices are jumping what is this the result of? Is this the result of the war in the Ukraine? Is it just the normal inflationary flow that is affecting all products uh, that you purchase at your supermarkets, or are there other factors?
10: Okay, absolutely other factors. Um, uh, this is, again, one of these stories I think you really have to read between the lines on really what's happening here, what's going on. So what is going on is that a lot of the – uh, different chickens and turkeys, uh, poultry throughout the United States have been culled, which is a nice way of saying that they've killed them because of this possibility of them having uh, avian flu. Now, there's no doubt there's been certain, um, li- uh, certain areas where it's been detected and certain uh, companies where it's been detected. But to actually know for sure you would be testing these animals, you know, they're choosing not to do that. They're just Um, removing them completely, just killing all of them, euthanizing them. And then as a result, they're actually having – it's where the uh, federal government is really paying for their losses, like by virtue of COVID, oh, they have avian flu. Then you have insurance that's paying for their losses as well. And it's an ability to allow them to keep being so irresponsible with what they're supposed to be doing. Now, for instance, the two companies that it's cited in this um, article that I'm reading, it's uh, Tyson and Hormel – in the, in the last year, you know, co- uh, collectively they've made over twenty billion dollars. I mean, this, these aren't companies that aren't making money. They can actually implement these humane practices, but by default, they're just allowing these animals to die. I mean, that's that to me is a real story.
1: And uh, we're talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands oh, yeah. of cows. yeah, at thousands. this
10: point, it's, it's fi- at this point, it's over seventeen million that they've killed.
1: And wait, again, wait, wait, this is because of
10: their being irresponsible.
1: They've killed 17 million chickens?
10: 17 million, yeah, it's a combination of different poultry, so uh, chickens and turkeys, but 17 million to date, and this is just because of this uh, recent outbreak. Now, in 2015, they actually had a similar type of outbreak, which resulted in 50 million being uh, euthanized. So 17 right now I think is a low number. I think it's just going to continue unless something is done to, to stop this because, again, they're getting so many bailouts, there's no reason for them to uh, be careful on what they're doing or to try to keep these animals healthy or, you know, free from viruses. That's really the problem.
1: You know, I've seen uh, some of these uh, mega farms uh, for chickens where they hatch the chicks in the eggs, and then they're like on an assembly line belt. They save the female chicks.
10: Uh, Yeah, correct. And they
1: Mm -hmm. kill the males yeah, on the, the, the spot.
10: Males, yeah. Yep.
1: What is the, what? What is their rationale for doing that?
10: Well, they have uh, the male chicks have nothing to add to the uh, food line for them. So, for instance, it's the whole point of having like the eggs laying, or, you know. So, but the males because they can't do that, they're useless. So they're like the the corporate waste of these companies, and they literally just as soon as they're born, they're going down a little conveyor belt and being. You know, smithereened. I mean, this is the reality of what they do with every single you know male chick that's born. I mean, that to me, that's I can't believe that's even permitted. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, no, these are things that normally we would never have been uh, subjected to. We would never have been shown. But when you see it, you ask questions like why, why? And in fact, this leads us into our next discussion. Uh, Over a year ago, uh, I had received an article. It was provided to me by John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator, a great animal lover, as his wife, Marco, is. Uh, And uh, uh, their son, John Jr., had told his father that I'm not ordering octopus anymore. And naturally, Greeks love octopus. I mean, it's one of the traditional fairs. And I must admit, I've had octopus. Yesterday, uh, my oldest son, Anthony... After he uh, was helping me here at WABC uh, do the show, uh, we went out and he ordered octopus. And I said, you know, I would never normally stop you from ordering something. But, Anthony, no octopus. But I see now there's a whole movement that is dealing with what I would call trafe: Octopus, lobster, crabs, squid. What is that all about?
10: Yeah, so the the story that you're referring to is um, is eating seafood immoral. So, uh, the, you know, these studies that have been done, obviously through the years, with uh, octopus, squid, crabs, the whole determination has been that they're sentient beings, which means you know they feel pain or they respond to stimuli, like they have emotions. So that's been the conclusion. Um, you know, again, through all the research, I so it's like, well, should you really be eating them if they have this level of cognition? But, again, what's interesting in the story is that this report they're referencing, it's discussing not just the ethical, but really the policy considerations that would arrive if these animals were considered sentient, right? And here, here's, like, where lies the problem. It's very clear that these animals are sentient beings, And they do have this level of cognition and feeling and emotion, but the policy considerations has to do with every company that utilizes them for food or every uh, pharmaceutical company or university that's testing on them for medical research. If you start assigning sentience to them, it's going to add these additional costs. And this is the reason why a lot of these different places and companies, they have lobbyists. It's so important to make sure that something like this isn't recognized because it would be disastrous for their their profit margin.
1: Now, you know, we look at a gorilla, we look at a chimpanzee, we look at a baboon, and we see a lot of human characteristics. It's not difficult to understand how a transition was made. Absolutely. But apparently the octopus projects certain characteristics that are very human-like. I never thought of that initially when you just watch an octopus, you know, as it sort of meanders around uh, on the ocean floor. What is it about the octopus that seems to give it uh, the capacity in which those who have studied the octopus have said, yeah, they, they possess some human qualities?
10: Uh, I'm not I'm not totally sure about all of the, the qualities, but I, I would say that probably one of the things that was intriguing to them is they're very good at puzzle solving. Uh, they said sometimes even better than people are at doing puzzles, which, I, I mean, I think is pretty mind-blowing. It shows a whole other level of cognition than you would ever assign to a crab.
1: So that means I schlep the Sunday New York Times home, I get a <laughs> double hernia, although it's a lot lighter than it used to be. Mm -hmm. and uh, we're not at the point like Altacacas on the Upper West Side where we live, where they'll spend the entire day reading the hard copy of the New York Times and even arguing over the letters to the editor. That's how these Altacacas are. But people love the puzzles. You mean to tell me an octopus might be able to figure out the words to the weekly puzzle in the New York Times Sunday magazine? Um,
10: probably better than you. Yes, correct.
1: <laughs> I was never a puzzle kid, that's for sure. Uh, our number's one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, what about this story? An individual, a woman's beloved cat, Kai, was sick and died young, so she spent $25,000 to clone her companion out of pure love for her pet. Explain that,
10: please. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, we went to a pet show at the Javits Center, and they had this display for pet cloning. That's the first time I'd ever heard of that. But this is actually like an industry that exists where, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, obviously within a, a certain period of time, if anything and there's, you know, whatever, how they do, they clone the pet, but more or less, it's genetically cloning them. So... You know, there's opposition to it for the obvious reasons. Um, you know, like creating more pets, like breeding, not adopting shelter pets. But the idea of like, so the woman who actually cloned it now she's rescued a lot of cats throughout her life, and she said, "Oh, this one had uh, passed away quite young, and she was just so attached to it, and it was so special, so it was hard to let go." Right? That's an understandable feeling. You lose a pet, and they're such a part of your life. Like, I mean, if you, maybe you think that, oh, this it would be. Uh, a way to sort of continue the relationship, but her observation was this cat behaviorally was nothing like uh, her previous cat, which obviously makes sense. I mean, they're genetically the same, but the personalities are going to be different for a whole variety of reasons. So, you know, I, th- I think that's a, you know, it's a little cautionary tale for, you know, if anyone's thinking about doing something like that, obviously you can't just recreate the animal because they're at their whole personalities based on, all the interactions you have with them—that's different.
1: So she went to the expense of cloning her cat, her beloved cat, who Correct. was sick and died young.
10: Correct. But the cloned cat was completely different. Absolutely, than- yeah. Personality-wise, it was different. Yep. I- they looked the same visually, but personality-wise it was different.
1: Well, how can that be if you're cloning?
10: Well, I mean, it's like uh, the argument nature versus nurture. I mean, everything has to do with the the types of social interactions they have so there's no way they could be the same interactions i mean it's a different time it's a different moment
1: well i've told a lot of guys out there beware as the science is progressing uh, one day women will no longer need men even to voluntarily make a donation to a petri dish because they'll be able to clone their own
10: uh, yeah, i yeah i don't know that's that's far away in my head. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Imagine women would say, I don't need you. I don't even need you to make a donation in the Petri dish because I can go to a clinic and I can clone my own so they can... Yeah, act- no, I
10: just, I'd rather have a cat. <laughs> I'd rather just have a cat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Could you ever imagine, out of all the cats that we have, that you've taken in from the shelter, that you have kept from being destroyed and killed because uh, they weren't claimed or they weren't rescued in enough time, of ever wanting to clone any of the hundreds of cats that you've had in your lifetime?
10: I mean, again, I I don't know if I can say uh, that necessarily, but, I mean, obviously... You know, Hope is a particular cat. I really like, but again, it's her personality, I think, that I miss about her. Like, she was so good with the other cats, so... I mean, I don't know, you know, if you can clone her and have another calico that would behave the same with all of our other cats, so... But yeah, I I miss her.
1: Yeah, and I miss her uh, really severely because in the midst of the mayoral campaign that I lost, I would get home in the wee hours in the morning. And I'd be talking to you and talking to the other cats and you'd shrink away and you'd say enough already you know, turn it <laughs> off, turn it down. But hope would be right on my shoulder. We actually have pictures of that, which I think we're we're gonna end up posting for everyone to see, that hope was at my side from the moment I would come home and would listen to all the nonsense that I was spewing.
10: Yeah, and every time uh, one of the 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 kittens was out of sorts and kind of crying, I would just stick them on, on top of Hope and Hope would take care of them. <laughs> so, like, she just had that natural instinct to her. She was great.
1: Yeah, she was like uh, Florence Nightingale.
10: <laughs> exactly.
1: Like Clara Barton.
10: Yes, correct.
1: Anyway, our number is one 800 Now, not far away from where we live and a lot of our listeners, even on the Jersey side, uh, over near Fort Tryon Park where you have uh, so many visitors who come there and so many people who live along there in Washington Heights and Inwood, there's Inwood Park, there's Fort Tryon Park. Apparently there is a coyote that is on the loose. Is that true? Uh,
10: That is true. It's been spotted. It's been uh, photographed and videotaped. So it, it absolutely is true.
1: Now the cloisters are up there. A lot of people go up there to go to the cloisters. Can you imagine if the coyote is hanging out in the cloisters there?
10: Well, I would I would imagine it. It probably wouldn't be that um, aggressive in general because they're pack animals. So without a crew, I'm not sure if they feel comfortable one on one trying to go after somebody. And for what reason? I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they're probably trying to get back to where they were originally at.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they could easily come down the parkland along the West Side Highway, come in from Westchester. I know there was a series of coyote sightings in Yonkers. Uh, there was uh, coyote sightings in Saddle River. They actually called a curfew at night because they were afraid that the coyote packs that you described were roaming around in the neighborhoods and would snatch up little dogs. You know, people... I,
10: I just hope they don't pull like another de Blasio deer sighting. Like, the cameras get on, and let's just go catch this coyote, and then they bring it to the city shelter, and it dies a few hours later. Like, let's just leave the coyote alone. It'll find its way back. Don't worry about it.
1: And uh, there is a fear that coyotes would attack smaller animals, especially dogs. And that leads us to the next story. Got a lot of attention, where two pit bulls attacked a cat and caused its demise.
10: Yeah, I mean, this is just a like a needless, disturbing story. Uh, Two kids were walking uh, these uh, pit bulls and saw a cat in a little fenced-in enclosure um, next to a house near the sidewalk and actually let the dogs in to this little enclosure and uh, egged egged the dogs on to attack this cat. And by the time the owner had come out of the house and, you know, shooed the dogs away, and shooed the kids away. I mean, you know, they tried to help the cat, but uh, unfortunately, the cat had passed. Now, they actually uh, finally caught the two people who were walking the dogs, and sadly, they're 12 and 17, these two people. So, I mean, just, again, I, I don't know what kind of households people are growing up in where they're teaching so little respect, and And such like, I mean, again, it's such angry behavior. These people are sociopaths in the making. So I hope they don't give them a lenient sentence or they don't really get involved, given that the the young age. I mean, this is when you want to really make sure you help them before they turn into complete misfits in society, because that's not normal behavior.
1: Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222, will now go to your calls. Whatever it is that's on your mind, having to do anything with animal welfare, it's now airing at a different time, an hour earlier. Not because we assumed that it would get more listeners, but you got to pay attention because I can't wait that Dominic Carter gets in here with me towards the end of this segment. I got words for Dominic and his partner now Frank Morano oh what technology took place to cause this um, musical chairs situation
0: the curtis lewa show presents curtis's arc from bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between now here's curtis lewa
1: by the way, I noticed they don't have you on the ARC, uh, Nancy, after uh, weeks of us mumbling and grumbling.
10: Apparently, there's there's been some passport holdups, but yeah. uh, I'll, I'll be on it soon.
1: Severe. Let's go to the phones, though. It's Robert calling from Washington Heights. your turn to be heard here in the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC. Bobby?
10: Thank
2: you, Curtis. we only two, we're waiting two and a half hours.
1: Uh, what question do you have, Bobby?
2: Question: I have is there any long-term effects
1: from giving cats catnip? Are there any long-term effects uh, of cats uh, utilizing catnip, Nancy?
10: You know, I'm not sure about the long-term effects, but I would have to say there there must be because the short-term effects of it are fairly extreme. Uh, The obviously the increased uh, heart rate and then you know the, the way their behavior. So I think maybe if you look at it as this uh stimuli to them uh it's like anything else maybe like the same way you're drinking coffee a lot i'm sure it should be given in limited quantity i mean i try not to give it to them as you know i mean periodically i'll give them something but it just makes them go so berserk so what is it what is
1: it about (laughs) the catnip that drives them crazy
10: well it's i mean again it's a natural substance so in nature uh this is actually something that grows so it's it's a more of a biological genetic uh, attraction that they have to it. But I can get a toy periodically, I put it in the file cabinet, like they know that it's in there, even if it's in like an enclosed container. So the, the smell is so much. And then obviously, they have this tendency, they want to rub on on it. And then they just start zooming around, you know, back and forth. I mean, just jumping. I, I don't again, it just it's a big rush of energy for them, so it it kind of can get out of control a little
1: bit. Let's go to Renee, who's calling from Queens. Uh, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Renee.
2: Hello, Nancy. Hi. How are you? Hello, Curtis. Hey. Curtis, don't fret yourself because of evildoers.
1: That's, you know, that's what Denzel Washington told Will Smith, remember? When oh, you're...
2: oh, 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 please. Well, I'm not trying to associate what I said with them. No, 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 no. Please. No, I'm 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 just saying I'm trying to find more of that. It was someone said that scriptures in the Bible. Please, I'm not trying to okay. associate what All I said right. to you has nothing to do with that.
1: I will I'm I will try about. to remain cool, calm, yes. and collected Please. under these circumstances. Not. I'm
2: not. I ain't even thinking about them. Hmm. I'm not trying to bring that. Right. No way, um, Nancy. I wanted to know. There's some people who feed cats, and the other day I passed them, and they were scratching, and I asked someone entirely different who don't feed those cats what is it they said maybe they got fleas so I said how would I possibly get them flea collars someone recommended that I said how do you put a flea collar on a burrow cat
10: yeah right so um, yeah that's uh, I'm I'm definitely uh, number one I'm against flea collars just in general they're a little bit too much uh, uh, condensed like medication but there's topical things so for instance If uh, you have an outdoor cat, and obviously those are going to be tough to get near, but if they're friendly enough because they're accustomed to seeing people, if you can get close enough to pet them, you could get close enough to put on, like, these uh, topical powders that, uh, you know, basically serve the the same purpose uh, for getting rid of uh, fleas and mites. And then there's also natural things that you can utilize, too. Um, I know I've seen, like, different mixtures with baking soda, like, you know, things that are more natural. But, you know, again, I would say... Maybe looked into something topical, like a powder where you can just walk by and pet them and just you know kind of get it on that way, but that sounds correct, um scratching excessively and they're outdoors. I mean it would definitely sound like it's fleas or mites of some sort
1: one eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 and by the way, it was Denzel who approached Will Smith and said, "The devil comes for you when you're at the top of your game, and then they prayed. You think I should pray now before I'm uh, confronting Dominic, uh, who's acting as a buffer between me and Frank Murano uh, Nancy?
10: No, Dominic's good people. Frank, uh, Frank,
1: I'm not too sure about, but Dominic's cool. All right. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let us go, if we can, to Alina, who's calling from uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC. Alina?
11: Good evening, Mr. Schriever. Yes, ma'am. I have a question for Nancy and for yourself. I met a young lady from Ukraine who is very interested in animal welfare, and she expressed to me that she would like to meet and talk to someone who is very proficient in that area, and I suggested your show, and I suggested Nancy's hour. How do I connect her with you, folks?
10: Um, she can always um, you can always just send out an email, uh, Nancy at guardianangels dot org, and mm-hmm. this way I can you know again get in touch. So just figuring out maybe what she's looking to do specifically, and try to uh, you know put her in the right direction for what she's trying to uh, to accomplish.
11: Okay. Okay. This is this is wonderful information. I wasn't sure how anyone can get in touch with you in with matters other than direct questions about. Animals. Oh no, no. I
10: mean that's fine. Like I said, uh, my name N uh, A N C Y Nancy at GuardianAngels dot org, and uh, definitely you know you can put me in touch, um, and you know like I said, I can just let her know depending upon what she's looking to do for sure. Well,
8: you, you wonderful. know, wonderful. You know,
1: and also uh, we uh, do, Alina. uh, We work directly with former Governor George Pataki, who is over in Hungary, uh, because he's part Hungarian, who's Uh already in the forefront of providing relief for all the refugees who are fleeing the Ukraine, many of them from the eastern Ukraine who have to go all the way to the west Ukraine and then to the border of Hungary. Poland has accepted the most refugees, two and a half million, Romania, other countries, Uh, And we have a a very good friend and one of our board members, Josh Eisen, who is helping him there as they put this all together, this support system. So I think it's about time now that they're dealing with the human needs, that we can get involved with them to care for the many animal uh, needs. Because we've seen the refugees, many of them are leaving with what few valuable possessions that they have that they can carry with them. But we've seen them carrying. Uh, cats in cat cases or having dogs with them. So even in their time of dire need, they're not leaving their family members or their furry little friends behind the animals. So I think that's a way we can uh, actually help Alina, uh, working with Governor Pataki, who is there in Hungary, with Josh Eisen, uh, and deal with the animal issues that a lot of people are not just prepared to deal with.
11: I'll tell you, we in Jersey City, because I work with the Jersey City community, we have a donation center, and I can't tell you how many people have brought food and even toys. For animals, we have little doggy coats because it's cold over there. People here are so sensitive, and they want to help the Ukrainian people who are very animal-oriented. You know, we are uh, very much farm-oriented, spiritually-oriented, animal-oriented, and to in the Ukrainian culture, taking care of your animals is very important.
1: Well, thank you for your concern. And, uh, Nancy, I can commit that we will work with Governor Pataki and Josh Eisen and all of their great volunteers that they have there. They're helping the uh, human refugees now, and I think the way we can participate, Nancy, is with our Guardian Angel Animal Protection Unit to start helping people who are fleeing the battlefields, fleeing the carnage, and they have their pets in hand
10: that would be i mean that's a, a perfect matching i mean i would love to help as many of the animals i mean and and you know to the caller's point everyone who's leaving when you think about how few possessions they're able to have with them and they're not leaving their pets behind i mean that i mean that to me just definitely shows you know how much they prioritize their pets as their family
1: yeah that can be our contribution to the humanitarian effort cuz uh as uh uh, Elena, so uh, eloquently described, people are bringing animal products, are bringing toys, animal toys, because they understand intuitively that people are leaving with their families, and their families include their pets. Of course. Anyway, let's go to the phones, uh, to Kat, who's calling from Ipswich, Massachusetts. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Cat.
5: I love this owl that you have, and I tried to call before, but I like I think I got tired or whatever. But anyway, I live in the in the area where the the humanity for cats is like huge. We have a we have a very nice Ipswich humanity group for the cats, and I have had two cats that I got from them. One was a feral, and it, he basically stayed in my basement for like two years. But I played with him with a pen, you know, like the pen that you would use with the uh, the poker, like if you were doing a presentation. Oh, yeah,
10: yeah, correct. I like, get yeah, the red lights and things like exactly. that.
5: Exactly. It was the red lights. So I played with him in the basement. And, you know, I knew when I wasn't at work, you know, if I wasn't at home and I was, like, in, at night, I knew he came out. And so it took him, honest to God, it took two years to get him out of the basement. <laughs> he was the nicest kid. He was so god, he was so beautiful. He was like a little like kind of like um what do you call it when they're like the tuxedo kitties? Yeah, you know the black and white.
2: Yes, he was yes.
5: so nice. And unfortunately, he died like my my father passed away of of the covid in mm-hmm. in uh, April 2020. And unfortunately, my cat, he died. George died like a week later. I was like, "Oh my god." But what I, why I want to call is that, you know, people, there's so many uh, feral cats in the area where I live, because I live in a marshy area, and the, the feral cats are, like, all over the place, like for, through New Hampshire, like Massachusetts, New Hampshire. And they end up being the nicest kitties.
1: So how uh, can you engage, Nancy? What advice would you give to people like Kat? Uh, to engage feral cats that they first come across.
10: Well, I think the 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 main point of that story really is uh, the level of patience that you need to have because uh, just because they're not you know right away jumping on your lap or it wanting to be pet, they you know they have to adjust accordingly. So if you're willing to give them the space, but then also socialize with them, I mean that's the key you know it's uh, i think a lot of people sometimes um have the impression independent oh just leave them to their own resources but when you have a cat that you're trying to socialize especially in this type of situation it's so important to be consistent with the direct interaction because you know they have to learn to you know realize that oh when you're in there it's not a danger you're not a threat whatever so again it, it and for each cat it's different so you know it's it's great that there are people willing to take that time to actually give them, you know, the necessary um, amount that they need to actually get it decompressed and, you know, become accustomed to interaction with people.
1: Uh, We have one more call before I've got to take care of business with Dominic Carter, who's squatting on our hour from 12 to 1. I need (laughs) to hear him splain, as Ricky Ricardo would say, splain this change of times. But in the meantime, let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard on the Animal Welfare Hour featuring Nancy Sliwa, Animal Rescuer par excellence here at WABC, Mike.
0: (laughs) Listen, great show. Real quick, I know you're both busy. Uh, What is the deal with human food versus cat food? Because I go to the supermarket, I get a whole chicken, and then I get uh, the human-like bumblebee tuna. The cats love it, I love it, but every now and then, uh, one of my friends was like, oh, no, you can't give them human food because blah, 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 blah. So I'm just wondering if the human tuna and the human whole chicken, roast chicken that I slipped to the cats is uh, not good or good. Um, so I'll take my answer off the air, but great show. My compliments to the chefs.
10: Bye. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so in terms of tuna, obviously, that's one I've heard about uh, a lot before, and that has to do with uh, certain element within, I'm not sure, I forget what you call it, I'm not taurine, there's something that's within the tuna, which supposedly is not healthy for cats to have in an excess level, so that's why if you have tuna-flavored uh, cat food, it actually doesn't have that in it, so so it, I think it's a little bit of a case-by-case case basis, but I certainly think a lot of the meats translate over, so not the processed uh, deli meats necessarily, but if you have actual, like um. You know, chicken, if you can eat it, I, they can eat I mean, I think there's a lot of things that is okay, obviously, just watch out for the bones. But I think for the most part, the, a lot of the natural diets are really based on human foods. And the only thing you're doing is you're supplementing it with just certain nutrients that they need that normally isn't in the human diet. So, you know, if you look into that, I mean, yeah, you'd be surprised. A lot of stuff really does, uh, you know, cross over.
1: By the way, uh, Nancy, if uh, any of our listeners uh, want to get in touch with you, because they want to continue the conversation on these animal welfare issues, dogs, cats, all other animal relation uh, issues, uh, how might they do that?
10: Uh, they can send me an email at nancy at guardianangels.org, and uh, I would be happy to interact with anybody.
1: All right, do appreciate that. Uh, up next, I'm going to be uh, uh, cross-examining Dominic Carter, who is part of this uh, new dynamic duo. Frank Murano and Dominic Carter. And uh, I was told, like, you got to jump in at 12 midnight Friday going into Saturday. I said, no, guys, I'm, I'm on at 1 in the morning. No, no. Dominic's not here. So what do you mean he's not here? Did he get sick? He, an injury? He's not here. You got to do it. No explanation. So now, the man of the hour, they've had his Chiron on the 72 inch big screen TV for WABC Radio.tv. Not me, by the way, or Nancy, but Dominic Carter. And we're going to try to source out why it is that Frank Morano, the golden child, the chosen one, seems to be in the middle of this mishagosh that's affecting me at WABC.
0: Check this out. On the weekends, take a journey with the People's Mayor.
5: Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians.
0: It's Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On Another Side of Midnight. Oh, yeah. Here's Curtis Lewa.
1: You know, we need to amend this to Curtis Sleewa doesn't trust other talk show hosts and hostesses. I'm joined by Dominic Connor. Dominic, uh, I arrived here to do my show prep on Friday night, and all of a sudden it was SOS, SOS. The crew said, you got to jump in. I said, why? Dominic's not here. I said, did he have an accident? Is he sick? He's not here. I don't know. He's not here. So... Uh, I jumped in, and then I was told, "Well, this is going to be when you regularly appear—twelve midnight Friday, going into Saturday uh-huh. six in the morning." Can you tell me anything uh, about what uh, caused this to transpire?
8: I, I, I don't know, Curtis. Uh, you, you, you have to talk to um, to others. Uh, talk to the other side of midnight.
1: The other you can't even say his name, Frank Morano, the other side of midnight.
8: Well, I, you know, I mean, you, you got to talk to Frank, and and you know, I don't know.
1: Well, I've been dissecting and bisecting uh, when you let Frank come on towards the end of your one-hour show Monday through Fridays from twelve midnight to one, and I want to ask you about this: what you said specifically, in which you let Frank pick your next caller which to me is an aberration you let him bogart your caller see if you can go to 36 here, here i see uh, uh, you
8: select the next caller how about al in Tenafly? okay al i believe is on ukraine is that correct it's your show why is frank choosing
1: the next caller huh why
8: I I I I don't know how to respond, <laughs> Curtis. I really don't. <sighs> hey, I love you, man.
1: No, I don't go that way, Dominic. Uh, I'm not uh, swapping spit with you or locking lips. That's for sure. Even if I'm on the ground, am I having cardiac arrest? Don't give me CPR. Let me die in peace. Now let's go <laughs> to where you've renamed. What was the Dominic Carter show? You see, I have listeners, and I tell them you have to listen to Dominic Carter five hours a week from uh, 12 midnight to 1 in the morning, followed by Frank Morano from 1 in the morning to 5 in the morning. That's 20 hours a week. And they rat you out. And then I I, I go back and I listen because I'm busy, you know, with the Guardian Angels. We're patrolling because of all the crime in the subways. Look, you actually renamed your show
4: how about uh how about um Andrew in my hometown of Staten island all
8: right Andrew you're talking to Frank and Dominic
4: you're talking to Frank and
8: Dominic well how did he bogart your show so wait there's some great conspiracy here that I haven't picked up yet on of course,
1: of course you remember what was that song it was um it was uh Oh, black and white live together forever. Here,
8: here we go. Here we go. Mr. You're, you're Return, acting now Mr. Return you're, of the Mac. You're everywhere like everywhere I go because of you, people walk up to me and start dancing. Return of the Mac.
1: You're acting like you're Stevie Wonder <laughs> there and you can't see what's going on. Or, uh, again, so what, what's going on? Let's go to the audio tape where oh, this, this is really difficult where you actually become a sycophant. <laughs> Of Frank Morano.
8: I do want to point out that this is now my Friday, right? It's Friday morning. So I will not be on the air tomorrow like I have been in the past from midnight to one A.M. My week starts now on Sunday nights at midnight to one AM. So it's technically Monday morning. My schedule will mirror the schedule of uh Frank Morano.
1: Mirror? The schedule, so he insisted that you talk to him and not me, that you're the buffer now between me and him because he can't
8: deal with the Inquisition? Hey, man, I don't have anything to do with you and Morano. I love both of you guys. I'm just a brother in the middle.
1: Okay, I want you to dissect and bisect this here. Here is... um, Frank talking about why he wanted me to change the name ever so slightly from The Other Side of Midnight, The Weekend Edition, to Another Side of Midnight. God, is this the best you could do, Frank Marano, after I like 382 suggestions? It. Yeah, well,
4: you should have seen some of the suggestions.
1: And you chose Another Side of Midnight? That's right.
4: That's right. It's got to be just, just close enough to the entree, the main event, the reason people tune in on the overnight radio, but it can't confuse people. That's the situation.
1: I think so if it had been one of those other sort of long names that had no connection whatsoever to the other side of midnight.
4: because what happens, Curtis, is a lot of times people are up late Friday night and they'll think, oh, it's late. Uh, I worked this morning. Oh, Frank Moreno must be on. And then they, they turn on the radio and they're disappointed to hear you. Now, if the show was called, uh, you know, I don't know, Fievel Goes West or something, then then they would be disappointed. They'd think something happened to their favorite talk show host.
1: God, all that But worked. another
4: side of the midnight is just, just close
1: enough. All right. All right. I, I got no choice. You're the golden uh, child here at WABC now, as the suits say, the future of talk radio. The man who uh, may get cameo appearances on 60 Minutes in the Future to do <laughs> occasional interviews because of your interviewing style. So you're an untouchable
4: here now. I, 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 I wish that were the case, but I'm not sure it is. And
1: then finally, how Dominic Carter has drunk the Kool-Aid. Listen to what he anointed Frank Murano to be.
8: I know you to be a great journalist. Can I hear that again? I know you to be a great journalist.
1: Now, you, Dominic Carter, went to Syracuse yes, School sir. of Journalism, one yes, of the sir. best in the nation. Newhouse. Frank Morano is not a journalist. How do you bestow that kind of a title to him? Have
8: you sold out to this guy? Hey, man, I love you, man. No, I don't go that way. I love you, Curtis. You're, you're the reason why I'm here at WABC. I love you, man. I'm not getting in this nonsense between you and Murano.
1: Wow, you're the buffer now between me and Frank Murano. You mirror Frank Murano. Your own words. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is like uh, Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. And you're acting like you're Stevie Wonder. You can't see what's going on. Black and white. Yeah, you see? You see?
8: And ivory come on Curtis Live together Gather in perfect, perfect harmony. harmony will you sing with me ooh
2: my
10: piano keyboard